English Ministry Podcast. Podcast. All right, man. So we're rolling. Um, thanks for thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, I thought I would just start off by having you introduce yourself. I haven't actually asked previous. Folks to introduce themselves, and I would just <laughs> jump right in. And then I've I've gotten some good feedback from yeah. some of the listeners who are like, "Hey, uh, love listening to y'all, um, but can you just have your guests just introduce themselves? Because I have no idea who so and so is. You know, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you, but there might be some listeners who don't. So yeah, um, yeah. How just who is Tony? Who is Tony <laughs> Thomas? <laughs> yes, yes. So Tony Thomas. Um, let's see. Uh, married to Marilyn. I've uh, been married about 16 years. Wow. And, uh, yeah, we got three kids, Joy, John, and Joshua, three Js. So they're 13, 11, and 8. And so, yeah, wow. we live here in Atlanta now, Johns Creek. Yes. Um, and I've uh, been here about four and a half years. Yeah. But grew up in Chicago, Illinois, was kind of where we were for yeah. years until yeah. the Lord moved us here. So, yeah, yeah that's the, the quick um, intro, I guess. I think, I think bumping into you at school has been cool because we're perimeter parents. That's right. You know, our <laughs> kids go to, I don't attend perimeter, but my kids go to school there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always wanted to like, you know, chat with you, talk to you about parenting and also just um, what's it like at perimeter and stuff like that. I just never had the mm-hmm. chance to actually make this happen. So I'm really glad that we're actually yeah. um, getting to chat. But um, how, how has it been at perimeter? And not just like the ministry aspect, but also just, yeah, being a perimeter parent mm-hmm. of that school. Um, how's that been for you in Maryland? Yeah. Um, I guess I forgot to introduce this part, but connected uh-huh. to that. So, yeah. Was on staff at perimeter for some time, but planting out of perimeter now. Right. So planting yeah. Joy Nations Church. Yeah. So I do want to ask you pastor, about that. Yeah. Lead pastor on. there. So, yeah. uh, so technically, I'm actually technically on staff at Perimeter, uh, the way okay. that they do they do planting. So, huh, um, okay. but been a, almost a year at planting right now. Uh, but yeah, yeah, our kids, which we're thankful for, they still go to Perimeter school. And so overall, it's been it's been great for them. I think again, yeah. they've been there four and a half years, um, and um, I think that really helped our transition to know that our kids felt like uh, they had. Uh, I think a smaller school and a place where they, yeah, felt really loved and embraced and made good friends, I think. Yeah, yeah. And um, overall, that's been like a good adjustment. And um, good. even in our planting journey, we're like, oh, should they, you know, should we bring them to a different school? We kind of had those conversations and they're all like, no, we don't want to leave. <laughs> and uh, so thankful we've been able to still send them there. And I think it's been, that's been yeah. helpful, you know, as, I mean, not every planter has that privilege, I guess, so to speak, because a lot of times they're moving further away. Yeah. And, um, for there to be that stability in their life, you know, has yeah. been helpful for us. So, yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. I don't know if you feel this, but um, what I really appreciate about perimeter school is when I'm there um, attending, whether it's parent meetings or equipping, whatever, something like mm-hmm. that, um, how I feel so normal as a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, because... I'm not the only pastor. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm yeah. not the only one in ministry. Mm-hmm. But there's so many parents who are in ministry. There are parents who are pastors. Right, right. Um, 
my my son was in the same class with uh, Randy Pope's grandson. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would see Randy Pope at a poetry recital. Right, right. And I'm like, I'm looking at my son, but I'm also looking at Randy. Pope. I'm like, <laughs> he's sitting right there. <laughs> it, but they treat you like a, a they. I'm just a dude, oh, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas I feel like in the pastoral ministry context, mm-hmm. where I'm the pa- where I'm the pastor, yeah, it's like I'm not just a dude, right? Right, right, um, right. And I'm not just a dad. Mm. I'm also like a pastor dad. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. Mm. my being a father has to come with a certain like modeling mm. and mm. Um, edifying sort of. Um, um, what's the word? Way of life, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. above reproach way of life, right? Um, whereas, yeah, at perimeter, I just feel like I'm just one of the many, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. even therefore space, the room to maybe be a bit more vulnerable about yeah. the struggles of parenting, right, right. Um, but I'm also learning that I can do do that here too, in mm-hmm. my church. Mm-hmm. It's just something a lot of people might not be used to, but yeah. I, I think it's something I want to get them more used to. Is like, right. uh, your pastor is also just a dude. <laughs> right, who's, right, right. Who's struggling to get the kids ready for school in the morning mm-hmm. and um, who struggles to do regular family devotionals mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, also praying really hard for their children's faith and yeah nothing nothing is just handed to a pastor's family right, right so yeah right. i i appreciate perimeter being that kind of place where i can take off my pastor hat a little bit mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um just be john yeah you know uh, yeah. but do you do you feel that at perimeter? yeah i'd say and i think again i was on staff at perimeter too and right. uh, i think yeah. um but similar experience mm-hmm. and again coming from and this is i think partly a cultural thing too right having yeah. been for me in the Indian church context and then uh, larger Korean church context, yeah. you know, just even, even the title, right? Like people I'm assuming call you Pastor John. Yeah. People call me Pastor Tony or, yeah. you know, that, uh, that was, you know, experience, but at perimeter, it's like, you're just Tony, you know, you're, you're just John. Yes. And, yeah. Um, and I, it's a much more egalitarian, egalitarian in like the sense of like not hierarchical, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. uh, yeah. it's a much more flat culture in that yeah. sense. And I think there was something very like healing about that too, right? Like, yeah, I'm just, just a guy, right? And I think an elevation, I think, is a strong part of perimeter and Randy Pope's DNA, too. It's like, like, hey, we exist to equip the saints for ministry. Yes. And, like, hey, we, we're all ministers. Yeah. You know, we just have different roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that they don't believe in biblical authority for sure, and hierarchy for sure, and stuff for like sure. that. But yeah. I think the culture was such that pastors didn't have to be super elevated to yeah. these, like, untouchable status. And then the laity also was raised in their mm. expectations of, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, hey, we're all living for the yeah. Lord together. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and so something as, you know, and I do think there's a cultural part to that, but, mm-hmm. you know, Randy's mm-hmm. very uh, particular that he doesn't want to be called Pastor Randy. He, dude, you know? <laughs> I, was, I was just down in Orlando with him yeah. for a couple of days. Yeah. And um, it was my first sort of close encounter with him, mm-hmm. not in like a large group equipping or clinic kind of thing, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very small group context, and I kept calling him Pastor Randy. Yeah. And he he looked at me, he's like, Randy. <laughs> Yeah. Randy. Right, right. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> he's pretty serious about this. Yeah, so. yeah. And I, and it's so funny how I struggle to utter his first name, just being so Korean. Like, Pastor Randy. I was, yeah. 
I was so Korean. Like, I was like, Randy. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, I just sinned. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he's very adamant about that. Yep. Uh, that, was, that was funny. Um, but yeah, like, even just the school's emphasis about, like, like the school is just the fourth wall. Yeah. Um, I really like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes sense. And whether you're in a public school or private, whatever context you're you're in, I think parents should view parenting and home as like majority of the walls that surround your children and mm-hmm. and safeguard them and nurture them and 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 even church should be considered in a sense, whether it's children's ministry or youth group, not like the entirety of the infrastructure for your spiritual children's spiritual life, mm. but it's just one wall. Right. And right. the rest, you got to build at home. You yeah. got to, yeah. you know, and that, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And something that I hope we can like hold on to, especially if you're in the context where you're used to this departmentalized yeah. church, right? With youth mm-hmm. departments and children's departments. Right, right. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing as long as it is seen as it's just a one wall. wall. Yeah, it's one wall. Right? It's not yeah. all four walls. Yeah. It, yeah. It, the children will not last that way. Mm-hmm. But covenantal like relationship with your children has to kick in. Yeah. At home. Right. You know. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um. So. Uh. You are Indian American. Mm. That's what. Tell me about so. your, just, upbringing. Yeah. Where were you born? Mm-hmm. Uh, where were you before Chicago? Yeah. Or, or is there before? <laughs> Not that I know about. Yeah, I was born in Chicago. Okay. So yeah, my parents. Or Indian, Indian, Indian Christian, and so um, and they immigrated to they Chicago. Immigrated, yeah. Wow. So they came in the '70s when there was kind of a large wave of immigrants in general. But from yeah. India, <clears throat> from India. I mean, like, was there's a I think Immigration Act in '65 mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. So there was mm-hmm. generally a larger wave, and there gotcha. was you know definitely a wave of Indians. I mean, so I can get deep dive into different things, but Indians, you know, themselves are not a monolith of people, right? It's a right. very diverse country. Yeah. Even so, um, so like, if if I'm around other Indians, I'll typically like a second question is like, oh, what part of India are you from? You know, so we're from a part of India called uh, the state is called Kerala, hmm. and the language we speak is Malayalam. Hmm. And so, if you meet an Indian Christian, uh, not every time, but a large amount of the time, they they tend to be from that part of India. That's kind of where our family's from. And so, my parents are both from Kerala, hmm. and they're Malayali. There's like a tradition, a long history of Christianity that's there. Mm, There's a mm. tradition that says the Apostle Thomas came to India, right? And he's from that kind of part of India is where he oh, came. Oh, very cool. Okay. And so there's like a long history of uh, Wait, Christianity. And your last name is Thomas. Yeah, so I'm a direct descendant. <laughs> I don't tell a lot of people, but yeah, no, no. Bro. No, I don't know. <laughs> Bro. No. You're, you're an apostle's yeah. descendant. Yeah, yeah. No, we but seriously, in... but seriously, is there some connection to... No, 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 no. Okay. There's, well, there, I mean, there is a, a church. There's a church called Marthoma Church. I don't know if you've heard of that church. Mm-hmm. Um, Marthoma basically means like St. Thomas, but like, and okay. they would, we, they would, we generally call ourselves St. Thomas Christians, you know? Uh, meaning that we believe we're descended from that tradition of yeah. Thomas, um, and that, so. but but it has nothing to do with your last name being Thomas. No, no. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, I, that's just, that's another story of like, yeah. yeah. The, Thomas is a tradition. There's a lot of Indian um, Christians that from Kerala that have. Is it, is it from English, the British English, yeah, colonial it's period? The, yeah, it's probably okay. more from that period of time. Okay, okay. Uh, where that influence of kind of 
English okay. names gotcha. kind of came from. It's, but yeah. it's such, but it's such an interesting coincidence of how yeah. it, you know Thomas went as a missionary to right, that region, right, right, and you end up being yeah Tony Thomas, right, right. <laughs> So, um, so who knows? Maybe there, cool. maybe there's some connection somewhere, but okay. not that I know. And w- were your parents um, transitioning to the states with sort of like a job, vocational calling, or what was the? Um, yeah, so my uh, mom's a nurse. Okay, and so that's kind of how a lot of Indian Christians came. Was usually the women came first, and huh. they came as nurses. So my mom came first, and so her her cousin was here first. So she came, and then wow. I'm trying to remember the story, but yeah, she. It was an arranged marriage in India, so met my dad, brought my dad over, and he came in like wow, seventy. So boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Come. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I got, got everything I got, prepared I got everything for you. Ready. <laughs> yeah. So that's really that's a lot of the stories is is it kind of happened that way. Did she propose to him? No, no. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's funny. Like they that's uh, so boss. My, yeah. You know, you put they put it you put an ad in the paper, is kinda of how it works. They put an ad in the paper no. and so the parents like no. read the ad. Yeah. They read the ad and they uh oh, they're like, like the oh, we OG, have a proposal. OG like coffee meets bagel. Right? <laughs> yeah, there you Super go. Super OG. Yeah. yeah. What's funny is that my dad said that for the engagement they didn't even bring my dad because they they're like oh he's too ugly so we we're not gonna stop it bring, bring stop him. it no way <laughs> yeah so then they're no like, way. they're like yeah well you know they agreed like, it's a good family yeah. and you know and so they're just um, kidding about that no well then there was another meeting where they actually met each other uh-huh. and then they had to agree to like yeah we, we want to get married and so but after okay. that first meeting they're like yeah we'll get married and the next time they got married so that was that was how they got married wow. and, and again that was. So, so was, you yeah. said they're both they were both believers already. Yeah, I. Or did I they come so. to faith like later in the? I mean, they both grew up in the church, you know. Okay. Um, okay. You know, I, I think you know. I would say that, and I, I think my parents are both believers. Yeah. You know, um, you know. This, I think and this is probably more faith. of a maybe a question for them then. Yeah. But I mean, I wonder if just as Christians during that time, like, you understand arranged marriage in the context of like. God's sovereignty and his providence. <laughs> right, and, right, right. Um, he does all things well. <laughs> he'll he'll <laughs> yeah. work all things for my good. And then yeah. just like in, in as an act of faith, also like walking into that, is that yeah. I wonder like how Christians back then process like arranged marriages. Yeah. It's, it's very different today, but sure, you know, sure. I'm just curious if you heard yeah. anything about that. Or, yeah, I mean, I think there's, I mean, there's, not to say that every arranged marriage by any means was always a success, you know. Like, oh, absolutely. You know, there's yeah, certainly sure. broken marriages that we we know about, right? So and and a good amount and a lot of uh, non-arranged marriages that also <laughs> yeah, that's, break that's right. Apart. That's right. Uh, but interestingly, the the divorce rates in India, even with the prevalence of arranged marriages, is very low. That's actually. what I mean. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Uh, I think it is a myth to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really starting off on a bad foot, like if if, yeah. if your marriage was arranged, as right, if as right. if your it's your choice that really somehow will guarantee really success, guarantee yeah. the permanence of your marriage. Right, that's not what the statistics show at all. Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, obviously, it feels strange to us culturally, but right. I think the more I think about it, I really respect it. I mean, my parents, yeah, you know, have been married a long time. You know, they yeah. love each other. They're committed to each other. You know, yeah. um, and there is a difference. I think I, I think we should also add like. There is a slight difference between um, volunteering, like voluntarily entering that system, 
mm-hmm. and 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 embracing that system, right. Being as opposed to against yeah, your will, yeah, yeah, like it's against your will and you're forced to. You know, that's yeah. a different thing. And um, they had a choice too, right? When they met, they could have either could have <laughs> said no, right? Like, so it wasn't like yeah. absolutely forced, but. But I think hey, she saw his face and, like, and was like, "You're good looking enough." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Okay, I guess." Um, <laughs> you know, so there was enough uh, trust in family, parents that okay, we know each other's families, we get to know. Yeah. You know, there's there's that's that, another really huge you know, factor. Yeah. I think that's a yeah. cultural thing there. Yeah, um, and we do that in, in, a little sort of indirectly too today, as in like right. we do want our parents' blessings. We do right. want their quote unquote endorsement of you know yeah. our partners and. Um, because our parents do know us, right? And right. Our parents do have wisdom in that, and, yeah. Um, or it, yeah, it or even lot. having like a church yeah. community involved, you know, like other Absolutely. people involved that they Absolutely. know me. Yeah. Like, there's just wisdom in not that. that so. Not that that has to be the deal breaker, right? But it can add to just your confidence, your assurance right. moving forward. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, so I think that's part of what makes it not totally blind is that there's a faith in the yeah. community that's around me that's yeah, helping yeah, yeah. me yeah. find this person. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's just, you know, a part of it that basing marriage and covenant first, you know, mm-hmm. that like there's a covenantal commitment yes. that is the foundation of the marriage. And then yes, the getting to know each other, the love, the romance, all that stuff will grow from that place of the soil of covenant. Yeah. Right? You know how we um, talk about that? Like in whenever we, I think we preach about marriage, right? We yeah. say um, it's the promise mm-hmm. that kindles the passions yeah and yeah. it becomes the foundations for your mm. passions not mm. the other way around if right. you build your promise on the foundation of passions mm. mm-hmm. then when the passions fade away right your promise has nothing to stand on right yeah and i feel exactly. like the yeah. the uh the, that sort of more voluntary arranged marriage system mm-hmm. is like a really like the the um level 10 version of yeah promise first <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'll just build no passion everything. at all yeah no, we'll build everything on that right we'll, right we'll build our first date on that yeah we'll, our, our attraction to each other our compatibility our yeah. hobbies and common interests we'll build all of that on this promise first right, <laughs> right. um it's like this hardcore application of the yeah Biblical yeah. principle. They just want to be super biblical and <laughs> super covenant. Basically, that's what it is. But <laughs> it's so true how it's so funny, but it's so true. That's how God has loved us before the foundation of the world. Yeah. yeah. Before I said I do to Jesus. Right, right. Right. He knew me, he foreknew me, he predestined mm-hmm. me before the foundation mm-hmm. of the world. Um and I'm entering a arranged marriage with him. Right, <laughs> right. In right. A sense. Yeah. Um and I'm like, God, thank you. This was a great idea. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. But tell me about, yeah, so you, you're born in Chicago. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have an older sister. Uh, older sister Is she still there? In yeah, yeah. Oh. So, uh, again, yeah, so we grew up in Chicago area. I was born in the city, I guess, but moved to the suburbs, you know, kind of north suburb called Lincolnwood. Yeah. Um, if people know Chicago, they might know. You were born Skokie. in the 70s? I was born in 82. 82, okay. Yeah, gotcha. so I'm 41 right now. Um, yeah, wow, so... Wow, yeah. I want to... We'll get to... Remind me if I forget. Okay. I want to ask you later about just what that transition into 40s has been like. Because uh, I'm, yeah. I'm also very close to that. Okay, yeah. But keep going. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I grew up kind of in the north suburbs um, in that area. And uh, mm. yeah, one sister, older sister... Uh, three and a half older years older than me, yeah. and so 
but yeah, grew up in uh, the Indian Christian Church. Grew up in a church called uh, Church of South India, CSI. So the original CSI. No way. Before the show. No. <laughs> they still, we want royalties. Um, <laughs> yeah, so That's awesome. Yeah, so I grew up in, in that church. It, it's, uh, uh, how to describe it? I mean, probably more or less like Anglican. Probably be like the, the closest huh. parallel to what um, people might recognize or know here. Um, and so... Kind of more high church, liturgical. Yeah. Um, Stained glass uh, window and it, well, robes. Well, and we, you know, the building that we could afford. I mean, I yeah, actually, okay. it did have some stained glass window, but yeah. it's, you know, but yeah, Love it. Uh, choir, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, it's an immigrant church too, in the sense that I mean, the pastors. So Indian churches had an interesting. Not everyone is like this, but uh, a pastor would come from India. Mm. And usually on a three-year rotation system, so kind of like uh, is episcopal too, right? So there's a bishop that is placing these pastors, and they right. get moved around, right? Yeah. And so, um, so we'd have a pastor for three years, and then usually they're studying. Uh, uh, that's partly why they get placed in the states too, like at like a Trinity or where, like no, where you be? know. So, I mean, a lot of them would go honestly to more liberal seminaries. So in, okay. even theologically. Just University of Chicago. Yeah, there was like a theology. I think there was a school near uh, University of Chicago. I forget what it was called. Um, I knew some of them would go there. Um, And so, um, yeah, I mean, so that's another question of like, what's the theological fidelity of these churches? Like, I don't know if I clearly understood the gospel. You know, sometimes some things I'd hear here and there, it's like, ah, you know, as I look back, it's kind of that, radical. That's the thing about Anglicanism, too, is it feels like it's a, it can be a box of chocolates. You, but, I mean, you can say that about any denomination, mm-hmm. actually, but um, I haven't quite, like, nailed down, um, like, if people ask me, what is what is an Anglican church like? Yeah. I'm not sure if I have, like, a definitive answer other than, yeah, it is very <laughs> it litur- is, it liturgical. It broad, yeah. It, they could be generally, like, orthodox and reformed, and yeah. uh, but I can't say because I've heard different things. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah what, you know, I was doing some reading, um, kind of on like Indian church history and yeah. stuff like that too. And uh, one way that, and and now that it was explained that way, I was like, okay, I think that that is true. Like, there's not a lot of doctrinal statements. Actually, if you go back to our churches, mm. you know, they don't necessarily have a ton of doctrinal statements. Like even the mm. Anglican churches, mm. like, um, you know, the 39 Articles, I think, or uh-huh. whatever, something uh-huh. like that. But uh-huh. I don't even think it's very explicit compared to like the Westminster, right? Um, uh-huh. But like Indian churches are saying, like, we don't really hold doctrinal things we have the liturgy yeah and the liturgy is our theology right is kind of more or less kind of how okay. they so huh. a little bit more like you know using creeds and things like that okay and so it ends up being a more broad and so yeah. um you know certain things i could respect about that obviously sure, but sure. you know not where i would stand now yeah um but i look back with gratitude i think i learned the bible there mm, you know mm, mm. um saw godly examples and people that mm. loved well and mm. um yeah. things like that so yeah. uh, but you know there's certainly brokenness and yeah. things like that too um in the church so yeah. yeah so so uh i'm trying to imagine you growing up in the 90s as a teenager when the chicago bulls oh snap were <laughs> at its peak yeah um was that cool to be in a city where you have the greatest of all time yeah yeah just well, i appreciate you not committing blasphemy. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm going to have a hard time inviting on a guest who thinks LeBron James or, uh, or Kobe Bryant is somehow better than. Right, right. Um, 
or they even compare yeah to to Michael Jordan. There we go. Um, All right. I, I mean, I just the just his sheer dominance, level of dominance on the court. I think it's just incomparable. Yeah. Um, and then and then we can talk about just his influence on the whole culture mm-hmm. as a separate matter. But, yeah. But just on the court, I felt like, and I and I grew up watching him. Uh, while I was in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. I was rooting for the Magic. You know, I was a huge Penny Hardaway. Oh fan. yeah, yeah, he was good. He's still my like favorite player of all time. Oh but, really? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, my MJ was just yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah, um, yeah. But what was that like for you, man? Yeah. Growing up in oh, the man, city, that what, was everything. What I mean, was the atmosphere yeah. like? I mean, basketball. Like early on, again. You know, this is a separate question. When did I come to know Christ? I don't know. Maybe like later high school, but maybe earlier. But really, my functional like love, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, was basketball <laughs> and Michael Jordan. Like yeah. I, I like that was everything to me, man. Like BC man, I had my, before Christ. Yeah, it was MJ. Yeah, like if you look, if you came to my room, my wall was covered with posters yeah. of MJ. And That's I, another I, thing I, that I know. miss about childhood. Just posters in your yeah, room. You, you get the Sports Illustrated whatever, so you can tear off the poster from the yeah, magazine yeah, and yeah. put it up on your wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, my cousin, I remember, would be like, "This looks like like idol worship." You know, it's like you know, I had a whole wall of all it these totally things. Totally. And I used to, you know, we used to get the Chicago Tribune. And I used to get yeah. every, you know, I would, you know read every article I'd cut yeah. out articles I'd save them and like wow. I would yeah. track every game and write was yeah. it a win or a loss what the score was like Man. you know I was religious and uh, I have this memory I mean we didn't have cable TV early on so I used to listen on the radio yeah. sitting wow. in my room well, you know I, I have vivid memories I'm sitting in the room like Dude. listening to the radio going crazy eventually we finally were able to I think get cable later and you know caught wow. games but yeah I was yeah it was so it was amazing and just yeah, yeah. the fact the dominance, the championships, yeah. like it was just the best. The childhood. seventy-two win season. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it was awesome. And you know, I'm still a Chicago sports fan, and so still follow Bulls, Bears. You know, it's harder to root for the Bulls now. Oh yeah, it's you know. So there's been nothing in Chicago. Well, the Cubs won the World Series, which is which is awesome. I have a brother here yeah. at church. His name is Myung. Yeah, he's from Chicago. Oh, is he? And, um, yeah. He he laments. Yeah, he's he's lamenting the bulls. <laughs> yeah, there's not good. Um, so the way I describe yeah. it is like when you watch other Chicago sports teams, and maybe other people feel this way. It's like you're never confident that like mm. it's gonna work out. But in the '90s, it was like there's you felt so confident you yeah. were gonna win. Yeah, like somehow yeah. he's gonna pull it out, right? right? And they did. Like they yeah. never they never lost. Like anytime they went to the finals, they always won. Right. You know. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And so, obviously, they had to get, to get over that hump, and obviously, there's the in-between years, whatever. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, so, having lived with that sense of confidence, yeah. and then now, like, with yeah. Chicago sports, it's like, yeah. you're always waiting for it to blow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which usually, it, I, it does, I feel you know? that sa- very same thing, but with another team, uh, with with the soccer team. With, oh, okay. With the Arsenal. Yeah. I don't think yeah. you watch the Premier League, but, like, nah. they, they had an incredible, like, year like the last time they won the champions was um uh 20 years ago okay but because you know with Henri and you know um i mean it was just such a dominant year and they had one year where there was no loss Mm. and i think as a child seeing that um like you said the confidence yeah like this can be done yeah yeah kind of kept me hoping 
Mm. And so like I'm I'm still like rooting for them. Right. And I'm like, it's gonna be this year. <laughs> this, <laughs> There's like the nostalgia that like nobody else you. believes. Yeah. Nobody else believes yeah. Arsenal will win this year, uh, except for Arsenal fans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like this this perpetual hope like, <laughs> this year. Yeah. yeah it's gonna be yeah, this year. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um. Yeah, so, so tell me, like, uh, so where'd, where'd you end up, like, going to, did you also go to college in Chicago, or? Yeah, I did. Uh, I went you, to what'd you study? Yeah, like, so I, I went to a school called Illinois Institute of Technology, IIT. Okay. Uh, so it's a small engineering school in Chicago, kind of the engineering. south side. So I did chemical engineering wow. uh, for my major. Yeah. How was um, that? <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it's funny, like, how did I pick it? Like, I, I was good at chemistry and good at math. Huh. And one of my friends was like, yeah, you should do chemical engineering. Like, if you do chemistry, you'll probably have to teach or whatever. You can make more money if you do chemical engineering. I was like, all right. So that's literally how I chose. I didn't really know much about it. Um, you know, and as an Indian, you know, maybe as an Asian thing, like, oh, you should be a doctor, lawyer, an engineer, you know. So kind of checked off those boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. And so so there's that. And, you know, and thankfully, I mean, I was able to get a scholarship there. To aside of some wow. other choices, I didn't want to go there. But my nice. dad's like, you're going to go there. <laughs> so I was like, no, I don't want to go. Because, I, I, you know, none of my friends are really going there. Yeah. So it's kind of a smaller school. But, I okay. mean, I look back, I'm thankful for it. It was good. Uh, so they engineering there uh, for four years. And, and did you, by the time you were a senior, like thinking, I guess I'm going to find a job in something related to chemical engineering? Yeah, yeah. So, um I kind of alluded to this. I mean, I, I'd say I came to really probably follow No, no Lord, like, end of high school. Uh, so how, did that, how did that happen? Can you share, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, how do I share this? Well, so I grew up in the church. Obviously, I kind of shared that. Um, you know, I had different experiences where I think I maybe, like, knew Christ in different ways, but fell, fall, fell away for sure in, in a sense, like in high school where I just kind of was really – had doubts. I think I'm generally kind of skeptical as kind of like part of my disposition a little bit. And so had doubts, you know, reached a point where I was like, oh, I don't really believe in God, you know. Actually, I had a, a Korean friend who in high school, <laughs> we were doing a class project in the library. And he's like, Tony, do you believe in God? And I'm like, oh, I don't think so, you know. And so that was kind of like, for me, a mile marker. I was like, oh, I guess I'm an atheist, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I had all of it thought out, mm -hmm. but that's kind of at least how I, I at least mm -hmm. talked to myself about it. Mm. And, you know, you know, it was like living, you know, more worldly, you know, sinful life in different ways, mm. you know. But, you know, still under my parents' sheltered in certain ways yeah. still, too. Mm. Um, but, yeah, just various ways the Lord pursued me, like uh, starting kind of my junior year, just different. Um, God used different retreats that I was able to go to where he was really speaking to me and, mm. um, and just, yeah, calling me to himself. And so that took a period of, like, several months where mm. finally— you know, kind of had to let go of certain things and just follow the Lord. And so, yeah, it was right before my senior of high school that I really uh, started, like, really, I guess, gave my life to Christ. Now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'll ask Jesus, when was I really born again? You know, because I prayed the sinner's prayer, like, 50 times, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, walked away from him, you know, 50 times. And then, mm. you know, but probably that that was the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to try, you know, I want to live for you. And mm. um, I just saw so much of his love and grace over all my failures and ways I mm. rejected him, rebelled against him. So, yeah, so so coming into college, which is a grace, you know, that I came in as a believer. I think yeah. if I was not, I think, who knows? I mean, not that college is perfect by any means, you know, sure, uh, yeah, for me, but. Yeah. Could have uh, added to the struggle. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I fear for what, what my life would have been if, if the Lord didn't bring me to himself before college. Um, and so, so in college, I was, and, and early on, I'd say as a new follower of the Lord, I, I'd say I was thinking about ministry in different hmm. ways. Like I was like, you know, I guess one way I said it is like, God, if you love me this much that you would rescue me and love me at my worst, you know, like what other responses there than you have my whole life? You know, that was like, I don't know, early on as a Christian, wow. I was like, like, that's the only response to this gospel, you know? Wow. And so now I don't know if that meant ministry right away, but I, I, I had those thoughts in my mind, you know? And so college was continuing to develop in that sense of call. Mm. I was part of university actually in my college years. Okay. Um, and so that was formative in various ways. Um, you know, I think we'll, you know, when we dive to that, I'll talk about CFC too. CFC as a church, Covenant yeah. Fellowship Church was, though I wasn't at University of Illinois, like kind of the Korean American church and CFC, I would go to the oil retreat. Um, yeah. They had a ministry in UIC called uh, Servants Ministry. Okay a lot of the pastors would speak at and so I, that was also formative for me okay so i think god used both of those different streams so to speak yeah, to yeah. develop me in my gotcha. love for the lord and sense of call to ministry so yeah. by the end of college mm. i felt a sense of like clear call to ministry and I while, while you were at cfc you felt the call to ministry i was not at cfc oh, okay uh, i was at iit okay uh, in chicago but and you're just doing ivs i was doing IV, um, yeah uh, university, so I was serving there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I'd sense a call to ministry uh, and shared that with my parents and some mm-hmm. others and mm-hmm. who affirmed that call. My parents were supportive, which I was thankful for. Wow. You yeah. know, I think in that sense, not always the case for Indian Indian yeah. parents, to be honest. And so, yeah. but they, their thing was like, hey, why don't you work for some time? Because um, I kind of wanted to Okay. Either go straight to seminary or do university yeah. staff. Actually, I was really thinking about that at the time. Okay. So I was a little bit frustrated. I was like, oh, God, I'm like ready to go now, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I thought there was like wisdom from the Lord as I processed it. And I was like, okay, let me work. My dad's thing was like, well, if you're going to minister to people in the work workplace, you, it's helpful for you to know what that is, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I ended up working as engineer uh, for about four, four or five years oh, wow. before I... Um, officially started vocational ministry. Yeah. Um, was there a more definitive moment where you felt like, like, oh yeah, I'm absolutely called to ministry, or was it mm-hmm. more just gradual nudging? Yeah. Um, what some seminary professors might say, it's you're kicking against the goad, um, <laughs> and then yielding into it. You know, or or was there like more of a, like pivotal sort of switch you know where you know what was that like for you being called to ministry yeah um so so interestingly for me it was almost one of those things like i really wanted to you know how it's you know it says like whoever aspires to you know office of a of an overseer aspires a noble noble thing right so i had the aspiration my my thing was like is that is that just my desire is that really what god wants for me right so that was kind of my wrestling and my thing was um yeah, I, just, I, I want to make sure that, like, Lord, this is really what you want, which I think there's something healthy about that, too, you know, of, like, waiting and desiring some sense of confirmation. Um, and so by the end of college, I was in a season of prayer because, you know, I was a senior of, senior in college. I was either going to go the route of being, like, a college professor because mm-hmm. I really like to teach, mm. Um, mm. you know, and, and so I wanted to, you know, maybe use that as a way to minister to people, you yeah. know, and yeah. uh, through being a professor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
or being a pastor, you know. So in that season of prayer, there was just one morning. I remember I woke up. I was just, you know, yeah. did my, I was doing my waking up for my quiet time. And, you know, like I tried to wake up in the mornings. I was not always successful <laughs> as a college student, you know. Yeah. You know, I probably, you know, slept way too late or didn't sleep, you know, I several, have several any, nights. I, I barely have any morning memories from college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there are, you know, fewer. I, I tried. Um, but that morning, you know, I woke up and my heart was just racing. And I just felt like the spirit was doing something. I was very tender wow. before the Lord that morning and was reading. I think I was reading in the Psalms. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I journal quite a bit. So I was just journaling my journal and I just wrote, Lord, like, like I don't want to do anything else. You know, I just, I just want to hmm. be a pastor. I don't, you know, I don't want to be an engineer. I just, you know, there's nothing I love more to do than wow. to, to, you know, to, I mean, to love you, to, to serve you, to preach the word, to minister to others and so hmm. and uh you know it was me writing those words but i definitely felt like it was the spirit affirming hmm. those desires um hmm. and uh yeah so you know i think wow. there was certainly kind of that moment and you know there's this whole kind of theology of calling kind of thing right like you know calling do we need like the special like you know note in the sky kind of stuff i think i was kind of raised in that environment a little bit oh, yeah. like of like seeking that hmm. I think there's something positive of like the Lord uses that mm. that earnestness of seeking Him. Mm. Now, I think I've shifted a little bit. Like you know, God doesn't always have to do that. Like yeah. there's there's ordinary, there's your wisdom, your decision making. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. objective mm-hmm. confirmation, external and internal. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Uh, but there is something helpful about that in that stage mm-hmm. of my life where God is gracious to do that oh, yeah. for me. You know, that's, and so, which I'm thankful no, for. No, that's awesome. You know, yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, what was your first ministry context? What was your first role? Yeah, so so right after college, I mean, I met Marilyn, and uh, she had a very similar desire for ministry, and she was Indian, Indian Christian as well, too, so similar background. And so um, mm. we got married pretty soon after college. We were both 24 when mm. we got married. And, mm. um, and so she was in Champaign. So she went to school in University of Illinois, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she was in her undergrad years was at CFC Covenant Fellowship Church. Gotcha. Okay. And so, uh, and I was familiar with CFC too because because of that context of. But she was there uh, before you. She was. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, when we got married, we both felt like, hey, we feel called to ministry. Mm. Where do we want to go next? And what do we want to do? What's the best place to be? Yeah. Prayed about different things, and so one of the options was to to move to Champaign to be at CFC. Mm. You know, CFC's vision, uh, you know, was to train kingdom workers, right? So yeah. Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Yeah. And CFC had had a, a history of a lot of people that had gone to vocational ministry, to missions. Mm-hmm. And sort of like, hey, we just feel like we're young. We want a place yeah. to learn, to grow. Yeah. And so why don't we go there? And also at that time, there was a ministry called Indian Christian Fellowship, mm. ICF, that Maryland was part of leading and others, you know, too, that had helped. You know, minister to Indian college students, and it was connected to CFC as well too. Gotcha. And so we thought, hey, that would be a great place to just because yeah. we both were so impacted by college ministry ourselves. We had yeah. a, both a heart for Indian people for our own yeah, people. Yeah. And so it was a great kind of starting place. So yeah, that was kind of my first rule. I was still a layperson. I was still working. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was serving there as a layperson, and again, I did that mm, for about three mm. years while at CFC and kind yeah. of learning, growing there. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I joined staff at CFC, um, gotcha. so left my engineering job to be full-time. Wow. There was a, yeah. was a, was a staff. What year was that? Was uh, you went on staff? 2010. So 2010. we moved there in 20, oh. 2007. 
and we gotcha. I joined staff gotcha. there in 2010. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because um, I've had two previous guests mm-hmm. who have gone through CFC yeah. at some point in their lives. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because I, I have not asked any one of them to come on the podcast to talk about CFC. Mm-hmm. It just came up <laughs> as, right, a, right, as they right. share about their yeah. just history, their upbringing. Yeah. And I think that just, for one, goes to show the, the kind of impact CFC yeah. had on the Korean-American, Asian-American community. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think it was widely influential, mm-hmm. impactful for a lot of people who yeah. have then gone on to different places doing different things. Right, um, right. And, and same with you. Like, I just, I mean, I know you from... I don't know. Did we do some? Did, where did we meet? I don't know. I don't even remember. I think we met. Was it at the I mean, retreat? The EM the forums. Youth, EM forum. And then definitely the retreat. I the, spoke at the. You next spoke at that retreat. one retreat, and um, we 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 I took our picture. Our <laughs> I remember taking a funny <laughs> selfie. Yeah. And um, hashtag like was it something like Harold. PCA Harold Kumar yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's funny because. I don't. I don't think we can say that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was a different time. It was a different time. Delete where that off our timeline. It was okay to <laughs> joke like that, right. you know. Um, you know, but yeah. I feel like we're in a different time anyway. <laughs> so I just, I just been wanting to catch up with you, right? Mm-hmm, and we also mm-hmm. run into each other at perimeter school. Mm-hmm. But and, and here we are, like yeah. someone else who's also gone through right, CFC. Right, right. Um, and I think I, I am curious just how you have processed what hap- what happened. Sure. Yeah. Um, with that whole ordeal, not only with Pastor Min, but also the the people just coming out sharing about painful experiences and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, I also want to just respect you and say like you don't have to talk about it. Like <laughs> right, you know, right, it's, right. It, this yeah. this doesn't have to be this required. Topic yeah. and sometimes it might be better to talk about things like these offline sure, and face to face for all parties. It yep. may be better to be more personal, mm-hmm. to be more, I mean, to have more space to listen to mm-hmm. uh, one another, um, which this medium is not great for. All that to say, like, um, I do want to give you the chance to share whatever or not share. Sure, sure. Uh, about just the aftermath of the how you process that and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah no thanks for thanks for asking and yeah we did process this a little bit before mm-hmm. um you know uh where do i start i guess um yeah like you said well to, to preface it you know like you said i think obviously i was on staff there i was there for 12 years my wife was there for 18 years because of her college right, yeah. you know college time too so significant part of our life and significant relationships connections we have there so you know so i'm always try to be careful about okay what what do i share you know just thinking like there's there's places to process things for sure we don't want to be the type of people that we don't process things but like what are the proper mediums to do that you know um you know kind of thing and so um i'll I'll share like a little bit my my history there and try to share you know what I can, I feel like, at least at this point, I think we were saying, like, maybe maybe someday there'll be another yeah, conversation. I mean, right, we, right, you know, right, right. This doesn't but, have to be the place where you where you express everything that needs right, to be expressed. Right, right. Yeah, you have no obligation to sure. do that. Yeah. yeah. 
I think, uh, so I'll say this, like, I think my, again, 12 years there, uh, at that time, and even today, I'm indebted. I'm grateful for CFC, and even I could say for, for Pastor Min, and mm. what, what I learned in my years there, you know? Like, I mean, just different ways. Like, again, I, I came there newly married, and uh, fresh in ministry, right? Like, learning, like, I felt called to ministry, but I wanted to learn and grow, and I think that, like, as I look back, like, very formative years for me personally, you know, in my personal walk with the Lord and just development as a pastor. You know, I'll always be grateful. Like he, I felt like, yeah, Pastor Min, like, I'd say took a chance on me in a sense, right? Like, I mean, I was very much like, you know, Apostle Paul kind of like, you know, I was one like abnormally of the apostles, one of the, the one abnormally, how do you say it? Like um, abnormally oh, the, born or the, something, you know? Um, the most unlikely or, or um, yeah forget the term but yeah but um you know not a traditional one I, obviously i was not korean right so there's that i didn't do undergrad mm. graduate there so not the traditional person that would come on staff and uh you know and even when i joined i was still in seminary too and uh and so it was very like non-traditional that he you know i had been i had been in a place where it's like i really want to do vocational i'm ready to to do it full-time now mm. you know mm. and i expressed that to him and then he's like you know you can consider joining staff here, you know, because I was actually at that time still considering university staff, actually. And um, and I was just grateful that he did that, you know, because, again, like, I was pretty non-traditional in some ways, uh, maybe not ready or whatever. Um, but I, I think he really wanted to invest in me and saw potential, again, as in there's not many Indian Indians in ministry or in pastoral ministry. And so I uh, was really grateful for that. And I think I learned a lot, you know, uh, at CFC, developed as a pastor, things like that there. So, um, yeah, so as I look back, I think grateful for uh, for that. But, you know, and maybe there's every context. It didn't come with, it came with the challenges too. You know, and I think, you know, one was obviously being the only non-Korean that was on staff, you know, mm. just being, you know, uh, I know even in these conversations, I listen to some of the, the podcasts or just generally like as Korean Americans and the PCA, right? It's like being a minority. Um, but I was a minority in a Korean context. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? So uh, minority experiences can be in different sort of spaces, yes. you know? Yes. And so yeah. um, and so a minority in a minority culture, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. in that sense, like, yeah, it was disorienting at times, you know, just different values, different culture, you know, I'd say, probably, yeah. you know, I think and it's not maybe every single Korean culture, but in that culture is a lot more hierarchical for sure, yeah. you know? And so that was, oh, it's like not, even though I grew up Indian, like you could say there's a hierarchical culture, but it, it, yeah. it felt different. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think CFC is a very intense place for sure, you know? Um, mm. And so um, certainly like, kind of like you said, like God really, I think was really at work at CFC, like mm. just used it in the local church, but even broader, the Holy Spirit was really moving and using it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, there's certainly measures of like, you know, people driven by fear or guilt, shame, you know, that would drive people, um, you know, that I think that, that was, there's something unhealthy there at times too. And so, uh, but I think it's certainly a mixture of both. I think genuine love for God and working mm. of the Holy Spirit and, mm. and that happening at the same time. And mm. so I think that led to some unhealthy things too. And, and, and I, and I felt, uh, yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, like both a victim of that in some ways, but even a perpetuator of that mm. in different ways too. And mm. so I had to process my own theology a little bit there. Mm. 
Um, mm. And maybe this is, we can dive into this deeper, but a significant part of my theological journey for me was coming across John Piper mm. and Christian hedonism, mm -hmm. kind of the whole idea of the relationship of living for God's glory and our joy, enjoyment of him yeah. became just a major kind of theological paradigm shift, which I kind of needed in that place because I kind of say it like this, I felt like the functional goal of Christian life was, you can kind of say it like to live for God's glory or maybe the other way is like Christ likeness, like it's to become yeah. like Christ, to serve Christ. And so to become a kingdom worker, you know, and I think wonderful things, right? But mm -hmm. I think what Piper helped me with is like the highest end is again God's glory, but the flip side is that our enjoyment of that glory. So the functional goal of Christian life to me, the more I understood yeah. that system was like it's it's to to enjoy him. Yeah. And from there we become like him, right? Like beholding yeah. his glory, we are being transformed yeah. uh into his image, right? Where right. beholding leads to becoming. And uh not to say that was never said there, but I felt like, you know, it felt a little bit more like becoming being the larger goal. Certainly like God produced people that became like him. And I think God also used, I mean, their spiritual disciplines of word and prayer mm -hmm. and all those things mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. are going to be means of grace that lead you to become like him more mm -hmm. um, and, and enjoy him too. Mm -hmm. But I think if people's ultimate end of Christian life is to become like him, I think that what it can lead to is certainly some burnout and some sense of like you lose a sense of the beauty of God and the gospel and um, and so even in my time there I think I had my own kind of Copernican revolution so to speak theologically mm. that kind of I think helped me in my time there too mm -hmm. I think to mm -hmm. um, deepen my own walk with God but also my theology which kind of eventually led me to for different reasons yeah. to feel like I think my time here which I'm grateful for learned a lot but I feel increasingly ready to, to move to a different place. And, mm. and church planning had been always been in my mind and Maryland's mind for some time and thinking about our heart for the Indian community, like that had always been in our hearts. And mm. so I think mm. success in those things, by the end of those years, mm. we felt like, I think we, the Lord's called us to yeah. plant. And, um, you know, in our, the Lord providentially led us to connect with Perimeter because of our connections with the PCA. It was actually the EM forum that was here in Atlanta. Yeah. We had gone to um, the headquarters. Were you were you at that one where we went to the PCA headquarters and visited there? Maybe I don't know. I, I might have been there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and a Pastor Billy kind of helped uh, organize all that stuff. You know. Yeah, there might be a picture of us too somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there was a few. I felt like EM forms here. You know, and um, and I think uh, that helped me kind of like learn about more the PCA and then perimeter. And then I met gotcha. Bob Cargo, who leads yeah. church planting yeah. at a conference. And, yeah. and so I think, you know, part of me is like, kind of says mm, it like this, mm, like mm. I had a stream of kind of Korean Christianity in some ways. I know it's not all of Korean Christianity, but CFC had that stream sure. that I, I learned from. And then I wanted to kind of learn from the more American stream yeah. of the PCA yeah. and perimeter seemed like a good place to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of oh. take the best of both worlds and plant out of that. Mm, mm, so it was kind of... Mm more or less the impetus um yeah which led us there yeah um, yeah but yeah i mean the whole situation with pastor men again i don't want to get into all the details of it but you know for us like and some people wondered that <laughs> like is that you know why did you leave you know mm. we didn't know anything mm. you know when mm. we were there mm. like that was not the reason for us leaving and mm. we had left 
you know, and we had only become aware of it when we had arrived here to Atlanta, mm. actually. Mm. And, it was, you know, it was very hard to hear about, you know, what had happened and, yeah. you know, different ways it was being handled, we felt like, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I understand there's different perspectives on it, you know. Mm. Don't want to get into all the details, but, um, you know, I think at this point, yeah, the Lord's obviously led us here. Yeah. And we're, um, you know, and certainly kind of like you alluded to, there's just a lot of backlash and downfall and mm. just like yeah, people that have been hurt and, yeah, you know, processing that situation and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, my general, just again, keeping it generally general yeah. here, yeah. I guess, would be like, I look back and I'd say that um, this is kind of my personal stance and where I, I would hope people would say is like, yeah, there's wonderful things that were there that genuinely God was at work. Yeah, but there's unhealthy things that needed to be processed and yeah. dealt with, yeah. and uh, my hope is that people would, um, yeah, kind of hold on to what was good, but then learn to process and let go of things that were unhealthy. Mm. Um, and I hope I think we're trying to do that too. Even mm. yeah, in our own personal ministry, there's things that see, the, there's the pieces of kind of my CFC formation days that I hold on to that I appreciate. But there's kind of things that I've kind of adjusted and changed in my ministry philosophy. Um, mm. And a lot of it was kind of learning from the situation, mm, you know. Mm, mm. I mean, like, I'll give one example. I mean, even ecclesiology, right? Mm, like, mm. we were ordained, but not necessarily like a particular church. Like, we didn't have a session, you know, which I didn't really understand. Like, to, I mean, to my shame, didn't understand the importance of that, like having a session, having being the, the accountability know, of fellow elders. Yeah, of fellow yeah. elders within the local church, but then yeah. also that I am, you know, we are pastors under authority right. through the presbytery. Right. So to me, like, I, I it's really important to me to be PCA. Uh, yeah. Yes, theologically, but ecclesi ecclesiologically as yeah, well yeah, too. Yeah. Where yeah, well, like uh, we're we're still in church plant phase, but yeah. I want to have a healthy session. Yeah. Where we yeah. make decisions together. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, I don't need to be a solo, like, lead pastor, king kind of pastor. Like, that's not right. my desire or right. goal. And then also, like, and we always, I do this during membership class. I explain that we're part of the PCA, what that means. And that, like, hey, if there, if I'm ever in sin, actually, uh, yes, God has given me real God-given authority, biblical authority over this church with the session. But I'm also a man under authority. Yeah. And and I want to communicate that to our congregation. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that if I'm ever in sin or if I need shepherding or care, yeah. then uh, there's there's a place for me to go to. And I need that. And I, I, I long to yeah. have that authority over me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And so I think that's, that's been like a real lesson and something I, I, I long to continue yeah. in my life, yeah. if that makes sense. So I think that's that's one of the key things that I think I, it's also coming out of this is understanding that uh, this idea of the infallibility of the senior pastor or anything that sort of implies that, mm -hmm. that breeds an abusive environment. Sure. Yeah. And so we have to create a spiritual ecosystem where, yeah, uh, people understand and the pastor himself communicates uh, I'm I'm a man under authority mm -hmm. um, I am fallible yeah uh, it's okay to question me mm -hmm. um, in fact you should mm -hmm. um, and not silencing voices of disagreement or, or questions and of course 
in that environment also fostering enough trust where there is submission, right, to, yeah. to your authority, at the same time um, not frowning upon um, the people who, who have elected you, who have, uh, who have quite genuine questions yeah. uh, or difficulties. And yeah, thanks for sharing that. I'm sure that's not easy to share, but mm -hmm. thanks mm -hmm. for getting into that and um, sharing yeah. about that. And yeah. I, you know, I've, I've been thinking a bit about this whole situation too, just having friends yeah. who are sharing with me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm currently just having kind of two coexisting, like simultaneous thoughts right now. Yeah. Uh, one's probably more primary than the other. Sure. The primary one is, I really hope the victims are okay. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I hope they are, by God's grace, uh, healing slowly and recovering slowly from mm -hmm. the hurt they experienced. Yeah. Um, I hope they have found good Christian brothers and sisters who are allies. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope they still love the Lord. Yeah. Who, yeah. who is able to redeem us from uh, any pit, mm -hmm. um, any form of Sheol, and yeah, um, yeah. he is mm. good, he's sovereign. Mm. I, I hope that they're doing okay. Yeah, <laughs> That's my primary thought, yeah. and, and I hope that also whatever process they're seeking in terms of uh, whether it's reconciliation, um, even loving confrontation, I hope... Mm -hmm. um, that's also in in its due time happening right right, um, right. and that's my yeah. primary thought yeah that no that that's good. they're they're getting better they're healing yeah. the the secondary thought that i also have is um that i'm also rooting for cfc right now mm -hmm. i hope that uh they know that despite whatever's have transpired they're still the bride of Christ mm -hmm. and um, I have to love them because Christ loves them. Yeah. And um, I hope they, uh, I'm sure they are learning from this and, and mm -hmm. wanting to reform and grow from this <coughs> right. experience right. in those sorts of ways. Um, but to, to trust in the Lord and think of the, all the dysfunctional broken churches in the new Testament, that mm -hmm. the apostle did not give up on mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. wrote amazing letters to, to yeah. uh, pastorally restore them. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is hope. Right. So I'm rooting for you, CFC. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, whenever I think of you, I want to pray for you. You know, mm -hmm. that's my secondary thought. Yeah. Um, maybe just, maybe uh, uh, if I were to just encourage them with one thing, they're probably not even listening, but <laughs> <laughs> would be like if, if let's say former members or mm. um, folks who've been hurt, if they if they want to reconcile, yeah, and sometimes that take that it, that has to be a two way street, um, as in repentance with the willingness to you know forgive. If they do come to you, please do listen to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, without uh, dismissing them or invalidating their story or and, and there's I think there there can be a strong temptation to just immediately defend yeah uh, to withhold that urge for for a little while and just really listen to their stories mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
and, and of course, there's a proper context for that. I'm not right. talking on Facebook. Right, right. I'm not talking Instagram. I'm talking um, more personal way of um, if someone's coming to you and saying, I want to lovingly confront you about something, mm-hmm. and I'm coming with the heart of forgiveness, yeah. the Galatians 6 1, trying to restore the offender with the spirit of gentleness. Mm-hmm. If that's what they're coming with, please listen to them. Right, right. And give them voice. Yeah. You know, uh, because if they are coming to you, I think there's sometimes there's a stereotype about, um, and stereotypes are sometimes true and a lot of times it's false, but sometimes true. But there is, I think, a, the, a general stereotype about victims coming forward or sharing stories um, for some other agenda, for some mm. very bad agenda or mm, self-serving mm. agenda. And sometimes that is the case, but yeah. um, it's also the case many times they're taking a step of courage right. to voice the story that's very difficult to voice. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that um, if they do have people wanting to share that story with yeah. with them to in order to reconcile for right, for there to right. be forgiveness uh requested and forgiveness given yeah um that that they do welcome that with listening ears yeah that would just be my hope i guess um right right um so those are just some of my current thoughts about it mm-hmm, feelings about mm-hmm. it. but yeah i mean just to respond to that i think yeah uh, even when we say the word victim, I mean, there's different levels of it too, right? Even yes. in terms of the church and yeah. some more, I mean, more clear, yes. you know, yeah. instances, right? And then, uh, but then different levels of, of that, right? And so, so even, you know, it's good to distinguish that yes. that, that, that exists yes. for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then I think... Um, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll share personally at this point too, like something that I, I did even as people were processing and, um, you know, like I reached out to people that were under my leadership in some way throughout all the years yeah. That, I, yeah. that I knew yeah, and try to process with them and uh, send an email and be like, hey, would love to hear your feedback and uh, do a call, you know, Zoom call because people, uh, you know, we're all spread out at that point too, you yeah. know, um, and also confess ways that I had, you know, personally hurt, you know, or ask, is there any ways that I personally hurt? And then also just to, you know, admit, like, you know, being part of that system, like that some specifics, you know, which I shared with you a little bit too, just, you know, I look back at like, gosh, like, you know, ways that probably the, the busyness of things, like people missed commitment, important commitments to their family, you know, like different things like that, that I look back as I look like I have a lot of regret, sadness, even for myself too, things that mm. I missed out on with, mm. with family and, mm. um, you know, it's not black and white, but I think it was probably overbearing, you yeah. know, and, mm. um, mm. and probably like people felt hurt, hurt, you know, hurt, shamed, you know, for, um, missing things for church, you know, um, you know, admitting some things like that. And yeah, actually, you know, I remember a conversation with a brother that, reached out to me and expressed, you know, some, some hurt and pain. And as I heard him, I was like, you know, I was like, I'm sorry, you know, uh, for that. And there was reconciliation, forgiveness. And so, Mm. yeah, I, I would just encourage that if anyone was, you know, a pastor, a leader, you know, to take that proactive step to, to do the best they can. I I mean, I try to do the best I can, at least in my case. And, and thankfully I, I, I don't think there was anyone that was like 
at least towards me directly had expressed like, hey, you had really you know, ruined me or something like that. You know, I think mm. a lot of people showed gratitude, which I was thankful for, but I still felt like even if there wasn't a direct situation with people, I, I wanted to at least recognize oh, there is a collective mm. hurt um, and being a, a pastor at CC, there's I'm part of that still in some ways. Um, mm. But kind of like what I said earlier too, like help people hold on to what was good too and not throw the baby out with the bathroom. I do think that there's yeah. Some people certainly that, you know, and, and that's been really sad to see people that have, you know, uh, and there's different cultural currents happening, but the deconstruction, you know, that have kind of walked away or, yes, yeah. or really unsure about their faith and yeah. um, which is which is hard to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I would want people to hold on to, you know, in the midst of the hurt and the, the pain and the the sin perpetuated by by the church uh, yeah. that, that we should admit uh, that we can still, by the grace of God, hold on to Christ yeah. and still believe in the local church yeah. um, and by the grace of God grow. And, you know, yeah. hopefully, hopefully yeah. people will, will still be committed to Christ and his church, you yes. know, but yeah. um, because Christ is committed. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, and it, I think this is when we really grasp what an amazing thing it is for Jesus himself to commit himself to such a bride. Mm -hmm. So broken. Uh, and, and the heart of God in that. Yeah. That he, he expresses to Hosea. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, yeah, if God is, and, and, and really when I think about my own sins, my own undeservedness, mm -hmm. You know, it's be, it, and when I let that idea sink in that he's committed to me, yeah, um, that that is when I'm encouraged to remain committed to the church, mm -hmm. despite, in spite of all her flaws and mm -hmm. blemishes, mm -hmm. because I'm a part of that too. I'm <laughs> right. the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hoping in Christ and finding healing in that is mm -hmm. probably. Our only hope, yeah, uh, is Christ. Mm -hmm. um, but thanks for sharing. Yeah, hopefully um, that was. And was I don't know, and, you know, didn't dive into all these. Yeah, no, and we think, and we you know. we can't not you know not in this you know platform and. Sure. But I think I, I think what I'm encouraged by what you shared. Uh, yeah. So thank you. Thanks for. I, I think this might be a good time for a bathroom break. <laughs> yeah, and come back. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Cool waters so yeah the other thing i wanted to talk to you about is just your your church planter now mm -hmm. um well first tell me about um just the the transition from your transition from ministry in general to church planting because that is a big like right transition it's a pretty big shift is it something you always felt like if I'm going into ministry, I'm going to plant a church. Or mm -hmm. as you're in ministry, the church planting kind of, was it a seed that was kind of planted and later blossom, develop over time through various like encouragements and confirmations? Right, what right. was that process for you? Mm. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think call to ministry was kind of first and clear. Um, within that, I think I've always had particularly a specific heart and burden for my own people, for Indian people. Mm. Um, obviously, amongst Indians, there's the Indian 
Christian church that itself was need of, in need of gospel renewal yeah. and you know um, so there's a lot of people that have that heart and burden but also you know I have lots of friends that still do that are not believers that are mm. from Hindu and Muslim mm. backgrounds and that's mm. the vast vast majority of India Indians mm. and so desiring a gospel witness that mm. would be able to make bring the gospel to yeah uh, to other parts of India and South Asia mm. beyond to mm. Pakistan and other other South Asian nations more broadly. Yeah. And so yeah, so that's that was always been in my heart. And then I think church planting was just always something that people again the Indian Christian church talked about a lot. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like the Indian and Korean church has similarities but a lot of differences too. Similarities in that just being immigrant, you know, like growing up second generation, you know, all those kinds of first generation, second generation dynamics are there. I think something that was different that's different like you know i we never had youth group like a youth, i never had a youth pastor uh we never developed english ministries really um in the indian church context uh, part of that is just and it's not that i mean language is a barrier too right like the same way i know that that's a barrier in korean church but indian churches because of the historic nature of those churches too I think there's a lot more traditional roots, so to speak, mm. that they're going to hold on to that a little mm. bit tighter, probably. Mm. And so there was never a vision or development of like, hey, we need a youth ministry. We need a, we need to, hey, we need to let these second generation have an English ministry, mm. even though people attempted over times. And so we'd have these conversations like in the church growing up, like, hey, we need to have like a, you know, we called it 2G or second generation type of churches. Mm. That's where the plant idea of church planning kind of came in in mind was like we need something for us you know like clearly we need something um but for a lot of us that came to faith in the Indian christian community that's why a lot of our discipleship came in places like cfc or we went to other churches that we mm. had to get learn and get trained in other places mm. because we didn't really for a lot of people what ended up happening is like you had a love for your church your Indian yeah. church you try to serve there but mm. at some point you just reach a ceiling <coughs> where it's like I can't continue in ministry here. Uh, uh, either there's no path for ministry. Yeah. Because uh, very literally, if I wanted to be a pastor in my Indian church I grew up in, I'd have to go to India, I'd have to do seminary there, and you know, you're ministering in that that yeah. stream. So yeah. there's language, cultural barriers, but also theological barriers. You know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And yeah. so at some point, most of us that had any sort of heart for ministry had to go outside the Indian church which is different than the Korean church context, I think, where because there was a path of youth mm. group and English ministry, there's a mm. pathway inside the Korean church, mm. though sure it has its challenges and stuff like that. And so that's led to, um, yeah, different dynamics, if gotcha. that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, yeah, uh, so I think, what was I getting to? So church planting kind of came from there of like, hey, I have a heart uh, yeah. for, Indians and so nice. so started with Indian Christian Fellowship that the college ministry and really loved those years and I think God you know bore fruit there um, and that you know development I think as a pastor and so yeah. eventually just kind of waiting for the right sense of calling just feeling like yeah we wanted a church the language I've used is a minority-led multi-ethnic church what would it look like yeah. to be an Indian that's leading and creating a you know a church environment where yeah Indians feel like hey they can be present but not just Indians too. Like, I mean, different people have different visions of church, right? But, um, you know, I just, part of it was my time at CFC and also 
I led other ministries. We called it our ethnic ministries, and we had an international student ministry. And so had the privilege of giving leadership, not just to our Indian ministry, but uh, they're student leaders, but I would lead those leaders. But, you know, we had a Korean-speaking ministry, mm. Taiwanese, Filipino, Japanese, uh, Latino, Black and African, and then just international students. And so the Lord really just developed and grew in me even just a heart for the nations. You yeah. know, it's just so kind of like a Paul sort of thing, like, hey, I have a special love for my kindred. But he was a he was a minister unto the Gentiles, you know, to, to people outside of the Jews. And so yeah. um, so I think that's and that was healthy, I think, you know, I think, um, you know, so desiring uh, a church plant that would have a special impact amongst the Indian South Asian community, because I think there's such a, a need there because there's, you know, well, there's different pockets of community. There's churched people that a lot of times people just leave their immigrant church at some point, you know, mm. kind of like I know that I think the Korean church community, they talk about the silent exodus kind of yeah, community. And so sure. there's similar sort of dynamic for in sure. the Indian church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that community. But then outside of that, there's what about the Hindu community, the Muslim community, the Sikh community? Um, what gospel witness is there yeah. for them? Yeah. Right. And so yeah. desiring a church that yeah. can be a gospel witness for them. But yeah, yeah. Um, at the same time, our particular burden was that not it would be an ethnic Indian church, right? Okay. Like some people ask that question, like, hey, are you going to plant a church that's going to be ethnically Indian? Mm. And um, and I just felt part of it's just who I am, right? Growing up here, like I don't speak Hindi. I don't speak Malayalam very well, you know, uh, so I can't preach in those languages. So that's a barrier. Uh, but also I just feel like there's a couple of things. One, I think it's a testament to the gospel, the power of the gospel, when God brings together people from different people groups to come together and worship, you know, our essential unity being in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that piece. But also I, I've kind of shared with people that I think there's a, there's almost a missional strategy to being multi-ethnic. Um, so I kind of say it like this, like if we were an Indian only church and let's say a Hindu person were to look at our church you know you kind of have to know the cultural dynamics a bit but they would actually a lot of people would kind of look down on us you know Mm -hmm. because hindu to be hindu is to be indian for a lot of people actually Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. so dominant you know as the dominant religion you know yeah um and so to be an indian christian is almost like you're a sub indian Mm -hmm. in some ways Mm -hmm. uh people have said because like oh you're not really indian you know Hmm. Uh, or you know i've actually had people say this to me (laughs) wow uh be like yeah your family probably converted because missionaries gave you money and so you know that's there's like that dynamic going on you know wow and so so to be an Indian Christian church, let's say trying to reach out to that community, you're kind of like lower on the total pole socially. Uh, and so that's why there can be a lot of barriers, uh, social barriers, even for a person to enter that community yeah. sometimes, you know. Mm. Um, and so, okay, so that, that could be a barrier missionally. Uh, but then what if we were, you know, in like perimeter, like majority white church, right? Like will mm-hmm. a Hindu or Muslim person want to come there? It's like... Some, mm. some do, like, but mm. not, not a lot because, like, mm. well, this is culturally, like, way different. And, like, I don't want to walk in here, right? So having a church where, hey, there's a lead pastor that's Indian. There's a lot yeah. of Indians in our church. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the only ethnicity, yeah. right? Because we have, we have Koreans in our church. We have, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, we have Chinese people in church. We have Caucasians. So yeah. I kind of tell people we're about a third, third, third right now of, mm. like, Indian East Asians, so mm. Korean, Chinese, and mm. Caucasian, mm. which is really kind of the area that we're mm. in. That's kind of mm. largely the demographics. Mm. And I think that there's something kind of both familiar and arresting 
for yeah. people that we we would love to reach. Yeah, yeah. Of like, hey, it's familiar in that, like, oh, okay, like I guess you can be Indian and Christian. Mm. You know, mm. uh, there's that piece, and and there's a there's a cultural familiarity here. Yeah. Uh, but these people are also diverse. Yeah. You know, and there's something attractive about that. And yeah. It doesn't. Uh, again, I wouldn't necessarily look down completely on this group if they're just Indian Christians if, if that makes sense yeah 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 for sure um, yeah. and then I think there's a piece that like and this is a cultural dynamic for various people but like let's say a person is going through something shameful let's say in their life right a hard thing in their marriage mm. or their children mm. we all go through different things like that right mm. sometimes it's easier to share that with an outsider to your culture than mm. an insider to your culture mm. right so you know, white people have asked me, like, should we be at your church? You know, like, early on, they're like, are we allowed to come here? I'm like, yeah, it's like, yeah, like, we love that you're here. And, you know, obviously we have a unique vision, but we, we need you here. And, like, I, what I've told them is, like, you know, like, let's say the Indian person, let's say, let, let's just say they're from a Hindu family and they're seeking the Lord and they have a marriage struggle. Like, mm. they might more readily share that with mm. you than they will sometimes with me or mm. another Indian person because you're totally an outsider to their culture. You're safe. Yeah. And, uh, or they might share that even with like a Korean or a Chinese person, you know? And so I think there's a beautiful gospel witness that yeah. also happens yeah. to the diversity yeah, for uh, sure. that has a, there's a missional strategy to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of counterintuitive, right? Like most people assume, uh, and this is kind of a newer strategy. I mean, honestly, it's mm. like, you know, we're pioneering, we're trying to figure this out. Like yeah. this, this is like- yeah. It's been one year, right? Just, yeah. Uh, um, but the more I've talked to other, especially other Indians that are in this space, um, the common assumption before is like being mono-ethnic, being culturally Indian, mainly is the, the doorway to reach this community, and that's mm. what people have assumed. Mm. Um, but the more I've talked about this, of being multi-ethnic, mm-hmm. again, this kind of tension of minority-led multi-ethnic, I think more and more of guys are like, I think that, that we're that probably onto something there. Mm. Um, and, you know, we've seen some progress. We've seen the Lord use that, you know, where, yeah, I think Indians do feel like, hey, like, I could come here and yeah. investigate, but they don't feel totally turned off by us. In a mm-hmm. strange way, if we were all Indian, they would actually, mm-hmm. I think, actually be kind of turned off by us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, not to say, but, again, there, but there's going to be some churches like that because there are churches like that that are mostly yeah. monocultural mm-hmm. Indian, mm-hmm. and I think God has a place in the kingdom for them. Yes. Right? And yeah. we need all sorts of different types of churches yes. in the kingdom. Yeah. But that's kind of like our approach. Yeah, that that's great. Sense. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Um, and um, I just, yeah, I just saw the the your your church Facebook page posting about the one year mm-hmm. thing, and mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, congrats yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, how how's it going, just generally as a church? Yeah, um, it's been good. I mean, we've been encouraged. Again, we're we started public worship uh, January 29th of last year so we're getting to that one year anniversary where are you guys meeting we meet at sharon elementary school so we're in uh technically city swanee okay but people usually think about it as coming kind of okay um so south forsyth county and uh part of the reason of planting there is that part that south forsyth county is the lo- the fastest growing indian community mm. in the country some statistics have shown so huh. like there's an elementary school not the one that we're meeting at but one of um little bit north of us called Dave's Creek Elementary that 75% of the kids there are Indian mm. so it's just yeah incredibly <laughs> large Indian yeah, community there yeah. um, and so we wanted to plant a church to kind of mm. reach in that community that's why we're kind of located in that yeah. area uh, but there's actually a large 
East Asian population, obviously Johns Creek, Duluth, Lafayette is a large community, mm, and, mm. and even in Forsyth County too, mm. um, Korean and Chinese actually too. Yeah, yeah. And so our desire was to have a church that would kind of reach in that community. And mm. so, yeah, we started mm. with kind of a core group. So even before the one year, we had a core group for about six months. Um, and, you know, we were intentional about trying to have a diverse core group. And, and I, we just felt like the Lord brought that together, people that, as they heard our vision, believed in it. And the Lord had been developing our relationships with them before. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was just like a sweet time. We met, like, in a clubhouse of a subdivision, you know, mm-hmm. so like kind of like house church mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. like, several months. And me kind of kind of more casting vision, like, who are we at a church? Like, yeah. what's our core convictions and our mission and our theology yeah. and stuff like that? But, yeah, love those days. And uh, But, yeah, the Lord's been growing the church, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, as we've been kind of meeting for this year, um, yeah, and we've seen, you know, stories of people that, you know, have come to faith uh, that's been wow. exciting to see and uh, again like our hope of seeing people that are especially non-majority culture you know ethnic minorities that are yeah. you know a few things one yes reaching people we want to reach people but also just people that are part of the church serving in different ways like leading in different ways that what happens a lot of times in a majority context is a lot of times I think minorities take a back seat mm-hmm. um, uh, and and I think being in a context of us, I think a couple things. Being a smaller church helps, right? Because we, we need help, right? Church plant, like, yeah. if you're coming to a church plant, expect to be serving, expect right. to be working, right? Because, you know, we can't make this happen without yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that's healthy, right? Because people that have, a lot of them were leading in their ethnic minority churches, whether they're Korean or Indian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when they went to kind of more, which maybe was needed for a season, to a larger church, you know, not everyone was from Perimeter, but like a church like that, or people were at North Point or other churches, you know, kind of like, hey, I need to get fed. I need something stable for my family. Um, but over time, and if, they, if, they're not, if they're not proactive about getting involved, it's really easy just to be mm. kind of a, an mm. attender, you know, just yeah. you're in the seats. And people with such like latent potential mm. uh, and giftings for the Lord that are not unlocked and mm. unleashed. And I felt like our church, thankfully, like, I think God's unleashing that potential for the mm, kingdom that mm, people have. Um, mm. And then and then obviously also reaching people that, yeah. hey, like other, you know, it's not for lack of churches. There's churches around where we are, but not too many churches that kind of look like ours mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that will hopefully have a special reach into communities that yeah. are probably more unreached with yeah, the gospel. That's great. So that's great. Yeah. Um, as the as the planting pastor, like I'm sure you, you're shaping most, if not all, of like the liturgy and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, how how are you shaping that for your attendees? Like what mm-hmm. what's your intention and thought process behind shaping the Sunday worship? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's a few. Trying to think of what things to pick out. I think um, in terms of worship, worship style, I've kind of, I've kind of said like reverent and joyful mm. was kind of like two values that I have for worship. Right. Like, I mean, just to even get particular, like I wear a suit coat. I don't wear a tie, but I wear a suit coat, right? Which yeah. some people are like what? Like church planter, you know? Like should be like you know, like skinny jeans and <laughs> whatever, or you know, that kind of, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. Which is fine. Like different cultures will have different things, yeah. but. You know, part of my approach, too, is thinking of our context, right? Like, for for Asians, right? Like, I think that 
Caucasians usually like have generally depending where you are have yeah. a more casual approach to church. Yeah, yeah. But I think you know East you know Asians, East Asians, Indians have yeah. a little bit more reg- sure. reverent approach yeah. to church, yeah. right? And even as I think about you know I visited the mosque here, I've been to temple, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, like there's a very serious reverence for God. Yeah, you know. And so to be a contextual church, right, doesn't mean if I'm in flip flops at church, like it shows, like, oh, right. these people don't really care about God that much, you know. Like it's, like, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. so part of like how we dress, you know. Well, not everyone wears a suit, you know, like a right. blazer or suit coat, but you know, like there's a, it's an intentional choice because we want to create for that sure. sense of reverence. But for sure, for sure, at the same time, we want to push back that like, yes, our God is reverent and holy, but He's approachable, right? And that there's a joy that we have in worship too. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I th- hopefully we strike that balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing that we do is we do communion every week. Um, nice. As, as, as one piece. And the other is covenant worship, where the children are mm, all with mm. us worshiping, too. Like the whole time. Um, they don't get dismissed during the... Yeah. The one adjustment, we have this thing called toddler time, where during okay. the sermon, yeah. uh, ages one to three, I think one to three or one to four right now, wow, okay. uh, come out during the sermon, but then they come back. Wow. For, for so for everyone above four, they're with you the whole time during the whole service yeah wow yeah wonderful yeah, yeah. Uh, and so yeah a couple thoughts with that uh, which one uh, maybe I'll talk uh, the family I'll talk, worship thing yeah I'll talk about communion first the other one okay, might yeah, take yeah. a little bit longer to explain okay. but uh, communion uh, that was a conviction that I developed over time you know where okay so the preaching of the word you know so I preach expositionally you know, right now I'm preaching through the book of Luke and the fall of Genesis. And so, yeah, I just wanted to faithfully exposit God's We're word. We're in Luke, too. Are you really? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. yeah where are you guys at? We just started. Just started? started? Okay. One. Yeah, the new year. Awesome. Uh, We're in four now because I started okay. last spring. Um, and so want to preach expositionally. Um, but, yeah, at the same time, this is kind of a philosophy preaching thing, which could be its own discussion. But, like, want to preach the force of the text, what's there. Um, this, this whole question of like gospel-centered preaching, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. maybe if I get into like, there's, uh, let's just say the Keller and Piper, right? So I'm more yeah. of a Piperite than a okay. Kellerite, although okay. I appreciate Keller okay. different ways. But you know, Keller is trying to expose the gospel centrality of every text, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. like kind of the Luke 24 principle. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think Piper is okay saying, like, hey, here's what the text says. And so it might be more of an imperative force, so yeah, to speak, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I, I lean that way a little bit more. But <laughs> communion is our way to bring the gospel centrality to every message. Mm. And so and to me, like, communion is actually the end of my sermon, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I go from the sermon into the text. So mm, if that mm. text was more of a call to discipleship, yeah, a call to yeah. obedience in some yeah. way, um, I'm going to preach the force of that. Yeah. But then as we come to this table, this, this covenant meal, the, the source of our strength is what yeah. Christ has done for us, yeah, right? It's not right. the source of our resolve or our strength, yeah. uh, but it's what he's done. And so it's, a, it's that weekly reminder of the gospel yeah. Yeah. Uh, every week through the Lord's table. Yeah, um, for sure. And so that's how, that's great. That's in that sense, that's how I make every sermon gospel centered, yeah. so to speak. And sometimes the, the text itself is going to be force you to be gospel centered in yeah. a sense. And yeah. I'm always trying to, point towards how does Christ, how does, yeah. how does Christ come from this text? Uh, but not necessarily the same exact way that sure. Keller or, you know, Chapel might do it. Exactly. Right, 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 right. Um, so if that makes sense, that's kind Absolutely. of like yeah, one yeah, way yeah. that I've shaped the, the yeah. liturgy, so yeah. to speak. That's, uh, that's something that also uh, John Frame talks about too, is, is um, uh, 
um, yeah, it, preachers should be more okay with that, more okay mm-hmm. with preaching a sermon if the Bible itself is being imperative. Right, then right. Then be imperative. Right, right, right. And when the Bible is being indicative, be indicative. Yeah. And I think you can insert your pastoral sensitivity about the balancing of that, maybe right, right. for your context. But Which, again, um, pastoring, if you know your people. Exactly. You know the stories yeah. you're counseling people. Yeah. It's like, but not okay, to intentionally yeah. shy away yeah. from the imperatives right. when it's so clearly there. Yeah. Imperatives being just, God says do this. <laughs> God says obey. Right, right. Uh, because obedience is a part of the gospel. Yeah. Right. We, right. we talk about this in the gospel waltz, right? Mm-hmm. That they talk about all the time, the three right. steps being repent, believe, and obey. Yep. yep. Um, it's not just repent, believe, repent, believe, repent, but mm-hmm. you do obey. If right, you love me, right. you keep my commandments. Um, so that's, that's huge. And even the Lord's Supper, I mean, is in a sense an imperative. <laughs> right, right. Do this. Yeah, yeah. In remembrance of right, me. right. Uh, we ought to come to yeah. the table and feed upon Christ, and so, yeah. I, I am not so comfortable with like separating too much the indicative and the imperative. Mm-hmm. And I think when Keller and maybe even from back to like Ed Clowney talking about Christ-centered preaching, I yeah. think it did bring like a really helpful balance to. <laughs> Sounds like Star Wars. <laughs> Balance to the force of preaching. <laughs> yeah. um, which I think was refreshing for me because yeah. I really grew up with all the indicative, uh, all the imperatives. Kind of felt more uh, moralistic. In the Korean church. Kinda, yeah, yeah, entirely about here's here's what Christians ought to do, what yep. not to do, and that yeah. kind of thing. And, and so just to hear about it is finished. Christ has mm-hmm. done it all. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, our our greatest need is our need of him. Yeah. Not to perform for him or to mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And that that really still gives me a lot of rest and yeah. but but um but I think I also had to come to an, and mainly through expositional pre teaching mm-hmm. that um yeah, God does not shy away from giving his children the to do's. Right. And right. um and of course you accompany that with grace, with Christ centered identity, but right. we don't you don't shy away from that. Right. Um, so I'm really encouraged to hear that you're making that one of your like core values and, and bringing that to your people. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I guess if there's a value, it's of like, yeah, preaching, how does the gospel and Christ's finished work yeah. apply to Christian life every week, but then there's a force of that has entailments for Christian right. life and we want to live faithfully. We want to live like people that really do look like Jesus, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so... So that's that piece. Yeah, the, the covenant worship yeah. piece. Um, so that's interesting where, uh, again, I grew up, well, I grew up in a church, Indian Christian church, where, well, we did do communion every week. So there was that, that influence okay. was there. Yeah, so part of it was not just the gospel centrality, but thinking about church history and yeah. what's been the history of the church with communion and the Lord's Supper. Mm. You know, I do think there's probably an overreaction to Roman mm. Catholicism that with the Protestant Reformation there. Huh. But, uh, yeah, covenant worship, too, I think. I grew up in a church where we practiced covenant worship. You know, we didn't have a youth group or any of those sorts of things, or even EM. And um, and children, we worshiped with our parents. And I, I don't understand what was going on, <laughs> you know, at yeah. the time. But, you know, um, and, you know, I remember growing up bitter. I was like, because yeah, I had Korean friends that had, like, youth group and stuff. Yeah. I was like, dang it. You know, like, I wish I had that. I wish I had a youth huh. pastor, you know. Mm. Um, but I think over time, like, this is something that, uh, actually, I had a conversation with Danny Kwan about this. We were talking about this. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like, hearing him. He had, 
this is probably already happening with me, but yeah, he, he, yeah. he starts, you know, he starts talking in yeah. Korean church context about yeah. we need the more family oriented ministry and this yeah. kind of the age segregation is not necessarily like helping our discipleship, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, so being at CFC, which again was largely, you know, there's a large Korean community, right? Yeah. So at some point I was pastoring over, I always had kind of an Indian Christian, you know, community that I was kind of pastoring over mm, mm. and then i had like the korean community too that at some point i was pastoring over and so i cut different groups of people i was over mm. and shepherding mm. it was interesting like the, the korean kids came in a lot of times with faith you know because they had like a youth group or youth retreats and all these things and mm. and they you know were like on fire for the lord and like recommitted to church things like that and uh, the Indian kids, a lot of times, were just nominal. Like they, mm, and so mm. a lot of people was just getting them to understand the gospel and believe yeah. in Christ. And so it was very evangelistic to mm. the church mm. in that sense. Mm. Uh, but you know, once they got it, like there was, yeah, like a real love for the Lord. It wasn't the thing. They kind of said like this: like the the Indian Christians didn't have like the high highs, but they didn't uh -huh. have the low lows. There's kind of a stability. Okay. And even you know, years beyond now, as I look, like there's a general stability of Christian life. I think mm. what I notice, and this is stereotyping to some extent, right? This is a generality. Sure, sure. But I noticed a lot of the, especially the Korean kids had like very broken homes. I noticed, yeah. you know, yeah. um, a lot of it's immigration patterns, you know, a lot like didn't live sure. with both parents, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and then again, had like this church experience. And I think part of this is the, is the Korean churches, you know, there is a revivalism mm. uh, sort of, feel i think you've talked yeah. about that and you know and that yeah. streams there i think there's helpful things to that yeah. but i think that there can be unhelpful things for to sure. that for too sure. so i would say that a lot of those students were a lot of ups and downs mm. like the highs were very high but the lows mm. were like very low mm. and that even and part of this could be the whole stuff with cct but people you know more than i don't know if you can say the word should but people mm. that have not walked away from the lord yeah and it's like what what happened you know yeah 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 and I think one of the convictions over time was just the value of parents and a church where you are worshiping yes. as a covenant community yes. and that parents, even if they're not perfect, yeah. that are involved in the life of their child brings yeah. a certain spiritual and life stability too oh, for sure. to a person's life that helps them to endure longer as a yeah. Christian. Yeah. And, you know, and then the studies are showing that, like, yeah, the whole age-segregated worship yeah. is not necessarily producing the fruit that people had mm, thought, yeah, right? And right. and it's a very modern innovation of the church, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? absolutely Historically, yeah. the church has always done covenant worship, yeah. you know, with children there, right? Yeah. So anytime there's a new innovation in the church, we should kind of yeah. be like, uh, is this, I'd say we should never change as a church, but right. um, is that good? Is that helpful? Right. And I think the data is bearing out that it's not been as helpful as people thought, yes. you know, though well-intentioned. Yeah. Um, I think it's not produced long-term disciples, right? As we mm -hmm. look at Gen Z and what's happening yep. kind of with post-Christendom. Yep. Yep. Um, and so yep. I think more churches are awakening like, okay, we actually got to rethink ministry to children and that, again, uh, emphasizing that parents are the main disciplers and that even yeah. being in worship, yeah. yes, that kid can't understand everything, mm -hmm. but there's mm -hmm. something spiritually God is doing in that place, yeah. right? Yeah. Like very... Specifically, like when we have communion, we have the children walk through the line. Mm, like we don't mm, do pedo communion, so. mm, <laughs> but we we place our hand on their head and we we bless the children. Mm, you know, mm. we believe that even though cog you know cognitively, yes, they can't understand my sermon or mm, whatever mm, other things. Mm, that mm, mm -hmm. we believe that the spirit of God is at work. Yeah, and that covenant blessings are coming upon them in yes. ways beyond. Yeah 
cognition yeah, yeah. that we hope and pray will produce lifelong followers right. of Christ, you right. know, and yeah, so, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's hard, you know, we know parents that with little kids, it's like, ah, it's hard, you know, like they wish they could drop them off and yeah, stuff. But, yeah. And part of it's as a church plant, we just don't have the manpower to just that too. to do that, that too. too. So there's yeah. a practical reality right, behind right, it. Right, right, yeah. But I think we're more driven by our, right. I don't know, at least my particular conviction is driven by that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we're, and again, contextually too, as I think about Indians, like if you go to the temple, if you go to the mosque, there's no children's mosque. There's no like adult mosque. <laughs> yeah. The kids are there sitting with their parents, right. you know? Um, right. And so there's a there's a kind of a contextual reason we do it, too. For sure, for sure. Yeah. That, um, no, that's great. That's great. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So those are some of the particulars of our worship that we that are a little bit unique to us, maybe. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, when we, I think when we study in seminary about church planting, a lot of times they talk about models, mm-hmm. right? Different models. Uh, or philosophies, right? Yeah. There's like, I, I you probably heard this. There's the um, churches that have a more attractional model, mm-hmm. missional mm-hmm. model. What's the other one? Um, educational model. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, mm-hmm. if that's if you land mm-hmm. anywhere there. If you thought about that. And then there's the other thing about like, on the spectrum of there being more of a transformationalist church mm-hmm. and a more pietist and a mm-hmm. doctrinalist mm-hmm. church, where you might land there, like. Or, or is that something you thought through prior to yeah, planting, yeah, or is it something it's it's is it shaping up as you minister in the context, or do the people coming shape that? Like, yeah. you know, um, just curious that's to hear question. about how yeah. you're interacting with these models. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'll start with kind of the first one in terms of model. I'd say, hmm, I don't know if any of those words can. Cl- cleanly defined yeah, i think sure. there's like mixes yeah. there for sure for sure um, yeah and it's probably more of we're majoring in this and minoring in the others it's yeah, not like yeah. we have one and have none of the others yeah yeah, yeah. um i would say i mean i i feel like i mean i love to to teach and preach right yeah. so there's there's a part where hey when they come hopefully hopefully they're getting solid feeding of the word and so there's yeah, yeah. is that fall under educational or kind of word-centered kind yeah, of yeah uh mentality in that sense, like we're not seeker sensitive in a Sunday service mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. Like I, I, I do believe that Sunday is mainly to feed the flock well. Yeah. Uh, like a, a well-fed flock is kind of how I've said it. A well. You don't like flock. come down from the roof hanging on the rope with rock music playing. Well, and sometimes the, the, <laughs> yeah. the fog machine and right, the, everything. Right, yeah. We've not done that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in you that just open sense, up the Bible and you just uh, you preach the word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and. Um, and so the the feel would not necessarily be typically called secret sensitive yeah, in that sense, yeah. but you know we're we're yeah. happy we have unbelievers that are there. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Lord's table every week, right? That sure. we fence the table, right? So it doesn't always make it comfortable for an unbeliever per se. Sure. Yeah. So in that sense, like what I've said is that we want the the church on Sunday, especially to feed the flock well. Yeah. But. We want to be evangelistic, and yes. that's we want to be missional. Yeah. I've said, yeah. and this is kind of contextual too, that yeah. I want the front door for evangelism to be our life groups, yeah. which is our yeah. small groups. Because yeah. I think that it's more likely for, and I think this is both for East Asian and Indians too, that the home is such a part of value, mm. and community mm-hmm. is such a value, mm. that like, um, you know, we want our life groups to be kind of the place. So there's kind of we kind of do a hybrid with perimeter discipleship so to speak we have men sure. with men women with women but we have weeks where we come together men and women and also where these 
just have potlucks together, right? And just parties, right? In the house. Do you do, you do Life on Life or is it like a hybrid um, version of it? A little bit hybrid. We don't use the Life on Life curriculum, okay. Okay. but kind of well, the way I've said it is like... They don't make you use it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a rule breaker. Um, yeah, I'm a rebel. Um, yeah, because I, I think what I... What I've said, like, I've been part of different life gr- or small groups, yeah. whatever, and discipleship yeah. groups. And yeah. I think what I feel is um, I really value the men with men with men for depth and that yeah. kind of discipleship, so to speak. Yeah. I think what it lacks is bringing families together, sure. right? I think it's, in that sense, it's my critique, a little bit too Western, mm. uh, where it's overly focused on the individual, mm. you know, and doesn't consider, like, the family context. Mm and is and not as communal mm, and so mm, i feel like bringing families together yeah, uh yeah. kind of accounts for that yeah it's great. so we have yeah. like three weeks that's men with men with women with women one week where we bring husbands and wives together and sometimes children are there depending on the group you right, know right right and then one week is what we call like our outreach week and that's another critique i guess i have is that the evangelism the mission section yeah, feels yeah. To me, too Western and individualistic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Where it's like, hey, everyone, go do your homework and yeah. evangelize personally. Yeah, the Starbucks yeah, yeah. over the napkin, yeah. which is not bad. Like, I want our people to do that. Yeah. But what I found, and this is, you know, being at CFC too, like we had so many people that came to Christ. Sure. Yeah. It was amazing, like to see people at their baptism service, yeah. their testimony. Yeah. You know how like ninety percent of the testimony started is like. I was invited to a, a small group, you know, like there was yeah. a community of people that love me. Right. And so the language we use that we want people to belong before they believe. Mm. And so if we can use community as the front door for evangelism, yeah. um, I think that contextually fits yeah. better. Yeah, that's great. Right. That's and great. so, yeah, belong to this community. Yeah. And as you're loved here, you can start to yeah, come. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you could come to a Bible study next time, you yeah. know. And, um, that's really cool. And so that's kind of like, and, and I think also it, it helps everyone to feel like they can be an evangelist. You know, I feel like yeah. sometimes if it's, you know, not everyone's going to be gifted to sit down and yeah. share the gospel with yeah. someone. Or, yeah. um, not to say that we shouldn't push that bar and mm-hmm. be like, hey, mm-hmm. you can grow, you could try. But I want someone to feel like, hey, my gift is to host or to cook. Yeah. And like, hey, you're part of this, actually. Yes. You know, like yeah. we're all part of this as a community. We're all going to play our different roles. Yeah. One person's going to be good at inviting. One's going to yeah. be good at hosting. One's going to be good at that conversation. And yes. so we're like a team. And so I think it, it's more communal. And I think that fits kind of Eastern cultures a, a lot more, you know. So Well, I'm, yes, and I think it's also biblical. <laughs> yes, there you go, yeah. Like, it's, right. It's very acts. It's very yeah. um, they, they gathered in their homes mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and ate together. Yeah. Know? And um, Steve Childers, my uh, back in seminary, my yeah. missions professor. Oh, you had him. Okay, uh, I, yeah. I know him from Pathway Learning. Like I do, yeah. like these modules. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, yeah, he was brainstorming that when I was his TA. Okay. Um, he was say the most underrated, mm. and yet the most effective, one of the most effective tools of evangelism, mm. but but underappreciated, underused. Mm while being its most effective is hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. And I really believe that. And um, that's what we're trying to cultivate right now with our community groups. Yeah. uh, Encouraging people to meet in people's homes Mm -hmm. um, and just invite a friend or coworker who may not be comfortable going, coming to church, but might be comfortable going to have dinner with some people. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I haven't, I mean, right now it's still mainly feels like fellowship among believers. Yeah. But the, the way that we're shaping its, its uh, atmosphere mm-hmm. and um, the way we're inviting people into it. Yeah. And, and the things we do there yeah. is designed so that a, a, a non-believer could come. Yeah, that's awesome. And feel like, okay, I'm not weirded out by what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> and, sure. Um, and if, if these people I can eat with mm-hmm. and talk to, listen to, if these people are Christians, mm-hmm. uh, then maybe I can also take their invitation and mm-hmm. and attend the service with them. Is the hope? It, so yeah, so yeah, part of sure. it's a twofold purpose, yeah. right? Um, part of it is it's like designing a Sunday service. It, it is a twofold thing. It is mm-hmm. to edify the saints, really. Yep. Right? We yep. celebrate Christ's resurrection mm-hmm. and we celebrate his his gospel, and it's also to. Uh, introduce that to people who don't know mm-hmm. what does that mean what is the gospel yeah who is jesus and right. um how do you how do you understand this this passage of scripture and so you're preaching to to them as well you mm-hmm. know um we we talk about that in in even our praise team mm-hmm. um about the songs we sing mm-hmm. you know on the one hand yeah we want to uh, uh remind the saints of what we believe um, we also want to clearly communicate the gospel to those who don't believe. Yeah, yeah. So, so we do minimize songs that are just too emotive, mm, mm-hmm. too ex- just merely expressive of Christian emotions. Mm-hmm. But what do Christians believe? Mm-hmm. You know, and usually mm-hmm. hymnals and contemporary hymns tend to do a better job of kind of yeah. packing the songs with right. content of, of what the gospel says. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. You know, I like having these conversations because it, it just keeps us sharp, I think, in just ev- evolving as we need to, but striking that balance between, yeah. like, how are we edifying the saints, but also how are we evangelizing to mm, you know, good. future yeah. saints. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what are some challenges <laughs> uh, mm. that you're facing as a yeah. church plant? Gosh, um, I'd say, and I'd say this was earlier. I think God's been gracious as we're at this place, but, um, so we started in, we started worshiping in January and, um, I'd say around March, April, May, <laughs> I was like dying. It was like so much to do because as a planter, right. So now I'm preaching weekly, right. Which again, as an assistant pastor before, you know, maybe had about average once a month, every other Put week. Put me in, coach. <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I love to preach. I still do weekly, but it's, it's a different animal when it's like, it's coming. Sunday's coming, you know, and you got to get ready to preach, right? So uh, there's a certain time part, but there's a spiritual part to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the energy to mm-hmm. really be seeking the Lord and, you know, what the Lord has for his people yeah. in the word that week. Yeah. And so that, that, but as a planter, you're not just the preacher, <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing everything else in the church, especially the early phase, like figuring out what's all of our systems. And we started, okay, we got to start the life groups and then we got to start uh, Sunday school ministry and youth group ministry and uh, welcome team. And so I was involved in all that early on, which mm-hmm. you, you kind of mm-hmm. have to be, mm-hmm. we had a team, but early on you're the, you're the lead in forming what those things are. And um, gosh, by about, yeah. 
I wouldn't say I was burning out, but I was, I was like, gosh, this is like becoming like a lot. It was mm-hmm. becoming unmanageable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just needed a partner. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I just needed, I was looking for like an executive director, somebody that can take the, especially the logistical yeah. organizational side of things and yeah, just help, sure. help support me in that and take the lead in that. Absolutely. And that I can still give visionary leadership. I really care about how things are done, you know? So I'm not the type where I just want to preach and I don't care about what happens. Like, you can't be a planter and not care about what happens. Like you're, that's part of the discipleship, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's not just preaching that disciples yeah, people, yeah, right? So yeah. I care deeply about it. I just, it was just, it's consuming, you know, you, you know, just the amount of organizing that has to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so eventually we were able to get help. You know, we have, I mean, I have an administrative assistant and eventually like the Lord brought on someone that was an executive director, someone from Perimeter that was kind of an elder in our session. Uh, who came to step in because I was I had various conversations with people and wasn't working out and and he came and he just yeah it was just very helpful mm. for me to have someone that could kind of like hey I'll take the lead on these yeah. organizational pieces of things uh, so it kind of helped free me up a bit more it's great um, and so now we've kind of found someone in the church that kind of taking that role yeah and we've kind of added like part-time staff they also work in their yeah. normal jobs and mm. stuff but mm. someone that helps to lead the youth now and mm. welcoming and there's different areas of ministry, Sunday school. And so, mm-hmm. um, so with that kind of key executive director person, who's kind of like the main lead for that, we yeah. have kind of like people in these different roles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's been good. So I don't feel quite like that. And I think we sure. have, mm, good. I mean, with planting, like you have to plant with a team, you know? Uh, but yeah, that early season was tough. <laughs> I mean, it's still busy, you know, but it's certainly not what it was. Uh, but that was, yeah definitely the yeah. challenge uh yeah. i think one right now honestly if you could pray for us is just space like i'm here like i look at your building i'm like envying your building <laughs> you know just like you know the hall of being in an elementary school yeah and then that school's been generally good and helpful in different ways but mm. um just setting up every week sure. worship tearing yeah. it down you yeah. know setting up our you know our signs are welcoming you yeah. know like yeah. again our people are amazing and been super faithful but you know it wears on you oh, you yeah, know and like sure. yeah. yeah when you have little yeah. kids it's hard to do that and, yeah oh, i get um, it yeah. you know um and so we're totally. praying that you know the lord will provide a, a yeah. space hopefully yeah. eventually where yeah. either one that there's like minimal setup yeah. or i don't know it's somehow. just your space yeah our yeah. space where we're not dealing with that cuz my hope is that hey you could come to sunday and you can receive it's the day of it's the day of Sabbath, the Lord's day. Yeah, yeah. You, you come to receive, and that in that strength, you now serve right, the rest of the week, right? right? Right. But in a church plant, it's like, I mean, hopefully people are receiving. I think they're growing, but it's a day of work yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. From pretty much everyone, <laughs> you know, everyone yeah, that's at our church, yeah, yeah. for the most part, serves in some way. Yeah. And so no, that's just yeah. what it is. Sure. Would love to get to a stage where it doesn't have to be that way, you know? Yeah, I get it, man. Um, yeah. Like our first when we first started our our EM, or I guess it was relaunching, I yeah. guess, when I came on, we were in the a KM choir room over there. Okay. Um, because we didn't need a big space. Yeah, there yeah. Was, um, there was like 10 of us. Mm. Um, and then at first, like, they would, KM would just open up their lunch for us too. So we just walk over to the cafeteria and, and we'll just mix in with the KM members and have lunch, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then if it, it felt a little too scattered 
like and and not as unifying to do that and mm-hmm. so and the people would just leave after service and not have lunch at all um so we start we asked if it's all right if we brought in lunch to the choir room so our english ministry attendees would have lunch in our space and that made such a difference mm. um to have immediate just interaction with the people who are right there yeah uh in the sense of oh this is our people this is our community mm. you know mm. and then um when we got a little bit bigger we moved to the children's currently children's worship area right okay. over here mm-hmm. And that also became like our new sort of our space where we can worship and fellowship with one another. Have, mm-hmm. um, we even held like our adult Sunday school for some time. Yeah. Um, and things like that. That was also very, very helpful. And then, um, and we were using that space quite well. And then um, the elders came to me and said, um, we, we think we can renovate this unused part of the building, part of our campus, basically was a warehouse, mm. like like office rooms and loading docks and things like that, and and turn it into a sort of a uh, EM chapel slash youth chapel slash you know, educational things and whatnot. Mm. I my first reaction was like, ah, we're good, because <laughs> okay. I think I felt just this pressure of like, oh. Because if you build a bigger space, aren't you going to expect me to <laughs> fill it? You know, like yeah, I don't want that yeah. pressure. Uh, I want to just stay where I'm. At. Yeah. I'm not. I, I one one of the things I'm working on uh, is is being a better visionary, being a better dream, uh, dreamer. Yeah. But anyway, they they really um, thought that was that would be a good idea, and then they uh, even funded most of it. And that's awesome. And that's yeah. what this is. Yeah. This, that was actually the chapel. So this is was newer. a loading dock. Oh wow! That got transformed into the how long ago chapel. was it? That so, um, they started the process right at near the start of 2020. Okay. And then COVID hit, <laughs> and they kept on doing that while yeah. we weren't meeting in person okay. for some time. Yeah. But then, interestingly, uh, when we were able to resume distance seating. Mm-hmm. That was so clutch, like that space right there where mm. we were able to bring even a small number of people back yeah. into. Yeah. And we were actually one of the earlier, I think, earlier uh, churches to open for in-person, to, making yeah. that an option. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and people really started to come back, really yeah, started to come yeah. back. And then we had an interesting season even of growing a bit. Mm. Um, mm. And then... Um, and then we, when we fully came back, and then maybe the last year when we felt like it was the first year sort of coming out of COVID. Um, it's funny, you still hear people getting COVID these days, but not <laughs> right. in a large scale. Um, last year, we felt like we were growing even more, and then now we have to comfortably sit in there. We, we, we have two services now. Oh, wow. But the, cool. the, the point being, all that to say... Um, when you have your space, people also take ownership of that space. Mm. And um, they start seeing this more as a home, kind of mm. like this is our home base, yeah, yeah, uh, headquarter, whatever, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's a, I think there's a certain comfort people take in that, just knowing like yeah. like we, or or that this is where the pastor is. So if they need pastoral counsel, yeah, they know okay, this is where. Whereas previously it was just, I'm not going to meet him in the choir room. <laughs> um, so, so it would just be in, and my office desk was like a shared room with other pastors' mm. desks. So it's not like, it, it looks like one of those like, uh, it, it looked like, uh, in one of those Korean movies, you see like these office rooms where these debt collectors gather in, and, you know, <laughs> take phone calls and make phone calls. <laughs> Sorry, I should, maybe ideal, that was, ideal setting for maybe that was counseling. too yeah yeah. <laughs> The worst. So, so I would just meet people at Starbucks or, yeah. you know, cafe down the street or something. But then even there, it's a little not the right hard to, you know, um, you know, people would share some very personal things, sure, right, and right. and we're just like crying over tears <laughs> in the middle of, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a lot better to have, yeah, a space where. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, there is, there is a measure of, you know, privacy and and mm-hmm. also just mm-hmm. um, familiarity and. Um, awesome. But yeah, all that to say, like that, that is something, definitely was beneficial for us. Um, although in the early years, yeah, I mean, it was like, it was hard to build up to it too, where where there's like, even just enough members to. Um, fill the space because because it's all like it's also potentially discouraging mm. if you have a big space with very small numbers. Sure, right. right. Um, <clears throat> whereas if you're in a small space with small numbers, it's like, this place is packed. It feels full, yeah. This place is booming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know? mean, it's a big it's dynamic. Like a, I, mean, with, I mean, any church, but planting. There's a Keller article on church size dynamics, yeah. right, mm-hmm. size culture, right. that my senior pastor actually brought it to my attention recently, oh, and okay. I revisited yeah. it. Excellent mm-hmm. article, right, uh, just mm-hmm. talking about going from the house church size of 40-ish to above 150 or something and how that changes, like, the members' uh, mentality, expectations, um, and and the pastoral role, the need for staff and lay leaders and how that works, what you delegate to who. And um, I thought it was really interesting in that article how he says, in a small church... Uh, people let you preach uh, if you pastor them, mm. if you're able to pastor them. Mm-hmm. But in the large church, you're able to pastor them if you're able to preach. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. in the smaller church, they're looking more for the pastor right. who's gonna like have right. a pers- more accessible personal relationship, personal relationship yeah. with me. Whereas in the larger church, I'm coming for the vision and the message, the yeah. teaching, the content, the quality of things. Mm. Uh, and and maybe you you can pass through me when I need you kind of yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I thought that was interesting because I feel like I'm right at that like that cusp kind of thing yeah like I would say for the most part maybe it's our culture a cultural thing there's still a desire largely speaking to be pastored yeah yeah to have a relationship with someone yeah, yeah. Um, and longing for that intimacy that mm. accessibility. Mm-hmm. And maybe a handful of people who are also more so like thinking about teaching, like mm. the, the content of the message or the quality of the teaching, things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but I think for the most part, I don't think most of our members are here because the preaching is excellent or anything like that. I think it's more so yeah. they find the pastor accessible. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hear that from, especially from folks who are coming from more of the mega church 
context perhaps mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and 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 a handful of people were also coming because of the theology like yeah. because because they heard something that was kind of they they smell something funny and <laughs> and they would come and like do you guys teach this i'm like we absolutely don't teach that and like, okay yeah i thought there was something weird about that I, yeah. Be like, yeah that yeah. is weird um <laughs> but uh well sometimes i've i've also had the other end of that where we are the weird ones mm. <laughs> and they yeah. left because of that because we have traditional biblical ethics on marriage or whatever uh, um, yeah yeah but anyway mm. um but i guess a roundabout way of saying um I think it does depend on your members and how they're evolving, how they're growing, and how how they and and how they lead and participate in shepherding and in your worship and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that shapes the culture, that shapes the direction in a lot of ways. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I was just feeling these parallels as you were sharing just with with um, um, some of what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but but as, yeah. as important as a space is, and it is, I think it does, it does like, again, I think it encourages members to really take ownership of, of yeah. you know, the ministry. At the same time, I also think like the, the, the maturation process and growing in your worship and fellowship can happen even like in a KM choir room or right, right. Um, in, a, in a children's ministry room. Or, right, right. Um, yeah, there's something healthy about growing into that space, right? Like there, there's probably healthy dynamics. Yeah. Of, you know, not being overly dependent on space. To yeah, be that's your, the better way to say it. Your seals, yeah. who you are as a church. Right? It's good the to church. grow into it. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure there's good healthy culture and habits and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, yeah. let you grow yeah. into it like you said yeah. you know so but i'm just yeah. encouraged to see how you're doing and I'm, I'm thankful to hear that um even though there was that season of just weariness and tiredness like god led you through that um and you're hanging in there yeah um what yeah. do you do to just to pivot a little bit like what do you do to unwind um mm-hmm. and what's what's rest for you what's fun for you yeah is it alone time or is it time with your wife or is it time with mm. kids? Or? Uh, probably a mix of both. Like, I mean, yeah. on my off time, even during the day, whatever, uh, but even weekends, whatever, too, I guess. But sports, huge in sports. Mm. I love watching or playing. Or uh, both? Well, well, both, but I mean, I probably watch more than I play now. I mean, it just, I need to find more opportunity to play. Um, the NBA? Uh, NBA? Probably, honestly, probably NFL most right NFL. now. Bears. Uh, it's just like heartbreaking, but like <laughs> follow the Bears a lot. Uh, you know, there's a whole you didn't saga. transition to Falcons. No, uh, no, 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 no. I went to a Falcons game, but when they played the Bears, ah, okay. <laughs> went once. Yeah. That's yeah. the only Bears game I've actually been to. So, um, and so yeah, went to, went to that. But uh, I, I do watch the Bulls too. Uh, you know, so uh, I I, I kind of you know I don't know if it's a confession. I borrow my parents' Xfinity account so I can watch like. Chicago sports, and so I disciple my children in the ways of Chicago sports. So they're Bulls fans, they're Bears fans, Cubs fans too. Uh, but you know, love they it. cheer yeah. for Georgia football, which yeah, is okay. You know, they've yeah. been good, and there's yeah. nothing to cheer for in Illinois yeah. with hey, college it, it, sports. Hey, there's so. nothing wrong with making our children cheer for the team that yeah. you know. It's that, good discipleship. The, the, the parents, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah train them up while they're young. Yeah, you know, in the way that they should go. That's right. 
That's right. And, My kids uh, have probably no idea. Like, why are we rooting for the San Antonio Spurs? <laughs> yeah. Anybody yeah, born? I feel like I've, you, I've seen you post. What's the, your connection to the Spurs? Did you? None. You just. I just uh, love the team. Oh. I just love the coaching. Which like, the years of like Tim Duncan. I did. That, I did. That, um, um, David I, Robinson. I, even? I just like, grew with a certain childhood general childhood admiration for david robinson avery yeah. johnson those guys sean oh, yeah. elliott and those okay, guys so i thought they had a tight yeah. like it was just like a uh, one of those teams that didn't have a super superstar but then like had a really tight like where did you grow actually i mean you mentioned hong kong you were yeah, there yeah. but like yeah. where yeah. were you i was born you? in korea i was in, in hong kong during my elementary school years okay la during my teenage years up until sophomore year in college so you weren't like a Lakers fan or like I kind of rooted for the Clippers. Okay, wow. but I was not a Lakers fan. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, but even even the even rooting for the Clippers was just a temporary thing because there was a season where there was a there was a time where like uh, they were the underdogs, but then they had this potential of forming like a really good young core and teamwork and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. I, so I I love good coaching, mm. and so Popovich to me oh, is yeah. like. The greatest he's, greatest coach yeah, of all time, right, right. and th- love the way he develops young players. Mm-hmm. Love what he's done with Tim Duncan, of course, but also Kawhi Leonard. Although the traitor, um, <laughs> are you mad at Kawhi? Are you... Let's not talk about him. Oh, well. um, but now he, we got Wemby, yeah. and it's just a fun franchise to follow. And um, I think they're just an, a really well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I love systems that that do that. Mm. That can just. Yeah, harvest like good yeah, players yeah. and train good players. So mm-hmm. that's just that's just really it. Um, and just also Popovich, like his way of also scouting like international players too. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've just been following, and, and I just make my kids like cheer for them, <laughs> and and they just do it just because daddy tells them to. As for me in my house, <laughs> we will root for the Spurs. Like, okay, doesn't Atlanta have a team? <laughs> yeah, but we're rooting for the Spurs. Yeah. Okay. um so yeah i love the spurs and i make them root for arsenal and um yeah soli's like so our second she's so your main sports be soccer and basketball yeah in terms of watching i play that i used to play more basketball i'm i I tell my church members i'm retired now (laughs) Um, they still invite me out to play on um you guys have a gym here right yeah 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 yeah. so so they have weekly basketball oh yeah okay uh em basketball and then km also has their own basketball okay um I used to play more, been more often, but um, yeah, at some point, like, I think kind of started with when I started to uh, go back to school for counseling. Mm. I just just did didn't not have the time because yeah. the extra time would just go to my coursework and right. and actually meeting with people for counseling. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was a new thing that was added and, and kind of a new focus area for me. And since mm. then, I've just been shaping off certain things. Like, although I do need to exercise. I do need to. <laughs> I was just talking I, to my I, wife I today my about cardio, how are we gonna like, yeah. yeah. Um but I don't know, maybe you can hold me accountable. Um, <laughs> Let's work out together. But and for real. Like <laughs> I think I think physical health and, and that's part of why I got this guy too, uh-huh. just to like be more aware be more motivated to keep, you know, counting my steps and whatnot oh, and, yeah. and and you know, how much calorie I'm burning, whatever. Um I feel like that is important though for our longevity. Yeah. Right? Um, not, I mean, of course, it's all in the Lord's hands. Like, we can't mm-hmm. control that, but there's something about stewardship, right? About yeah, for sure. Our health, diet, yeah, exercise, and whatever. So, um, yeah. 
Um, maybe last question. Mm. Um, and, and this might be a tough one. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, <Jeff>. I'm scared. <laughs> um, you know how, like, as husbands, we're called to, like, uh, sanctify our spouse, mm. you know, like, mm-hmm. present them blameless and mm. just basically bless their spiritual life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if, if, if it's biblical to say that we disciple them, but then we do, I think, contribute to their discipleship, right, mm-hmm. significantly. Mm-hmm. How, how do you do that? And, mm. and maybe in, in tandem, like just in tandem, like what does your discipleship of your children look like at home? Mm. And mm-hmm. I say that's a tough question because um, I'm still figuring that out. I'm still mm-hmm. like working through it. Yeah. Uh, there are little things I do here and there, but I don't think I have something consistent or something like really set in stone. Yeah, yeah. And it's absolutely an area I want to grow in. Mm. So I just wanted to ask you that, uh, although it may be, putting you in the spot but yeah no, no it's, it's good uh i think let's see this from a spouse with marilyn um i think one thing that's been helpful for us because you know and being involved with ministry you know there's different like ministry wide models right some it's like yeah. not really involved and some that are more involved you know so i think we've been more or less the model where she's been involved so whatever we've done campus ministry she's very much partner with me you know and even with church planting you know, although that's shifting a little bit for her. In church planting, you kind of can't can't be like too. It's unavoidable, right? In a sense, like yeah, the it's it's hard the, to. I mean, again, some people try to do it differently, but I mean, she wants to. First of all, like she, okay. you know, so when it's not against her desire, uh, she 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 loves ministry, and that's yeah. part of her passion too. Yeah. Uh, and she's just great with people. You know, I, I've told mm. people that like I feel like. More than half the people at our church because of Marilyn. <laughs> she's just a social, <laughs> social butterfly, and she's just great with yeah. pe- connecting I feel with people. The same with Lynn, but yeah, yeah. So, so she's great at that. So I think in that sense, to get to the discipleship question, there's a part because we're doing ministry together. Mm. We're always talking, we're dialoguing that's about great. church and that's cool. different things like that. And um, yeah, I think great. in that sense, it keeps us spiritually like aligned, yeah. focused. Like we're going yeah. in the same direction, yeah. Yeah. and. Um, and praying together, you know, things like that. Like we do that now. Do we have like a, a habit and a rhythm per se? Like we don't necessarily read the same thing in the Bible. Like we don't have yeah. like a devotional, like okay. you know, prayer. Like we don't necessarily like have a set time. Mm. Although we I think organically pray together, like especially car rides if we're mm. together, mm. Uh, things like that. Mm. I think the one set thing that we've tried to do is just have a monthly date. Mm. Which actually we we had that. This morning, actually. So oh, nice. I had that in the calendar. Which is why you so the morning, I was like... That's why you weren't available. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to tell yeah. you what it was. Why? I don't know if you'd be like, dude, that's lame. But... I guess. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think well, that's, that's... You know... Like, I would have totally been like, oh, dude, you should totally say no to me. Yeah, if yeah, that's yeah. If that's what you're going to do. Well, it was a good test for me to be like, yeah. hey, this is not flexible. You know, like, we should, but <laughs> we should keep this... You shouldn't true. even... I mean, I, I, I don't think you are, but... There should be no comparison. <laughs> it shouldn't even be close, like date, date with my wife or this weird podcast <laughs> with this random random guy dude. who's asking to talk to me. Um, dude, no competition. Well, yeah, 100%. Well, 
Let's go on a uh, date with your wife. Yeah, different different stages of my life. I'd be like, babe, sorry, I got a I got a podcast to do. <laughs> so <laughs> that's part of my, my moment of fame. Come yeah, on, like, yeah, this yeah, is gonna yeah. be my. This is we're going viral, baby. Rise so, to stardom. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but yeah. my sanctification is prioritizing her and mm. making sure that we have time together. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. So we try to do like I have it on my calendar that once a month, like it's kind of Friday morning. Yeah. 8 to 12 or whatever, yeah, we kind of have yeah, that time set apart. Yeah, that's great. We'll hang out, we'll have breakfast, we'll talk, share, pray, whatever. That's know, awesome. That kind of thing. And yeah, so I think that's, yeah. for us, it's been a helpful rhythm of, and then we have our regular check-in, like usually like that's I don't good. know, afternoon, we're just checking in, how's your day, that kind of thing. So That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah so that's kind of what that looks like. I think with our kids, um, so I'll say this, like my dad, you know, I actually – really thankful for this you know i think actually in our pcs class we talked about spiritual uh what do we do with our kids and my dad was really good about doing family worship like i think we pretty much every day like did family worship we would sing <laughs> and actually we'd, we'd read scripture and we pray together you know uh i was thankful for that example um i think with our kids we've had different seasons you know mm. especially my cfc days it was just hard because i was out a lot actually so mm. maryland would do a lot of the family devotions at night yeah like just Bible reading kind of mm. stuff. But now, you know, what I've tried to do is in the morning, bef- and it's easier now because they're on the same schedule being at perimeter. Yeah. So before, you know, at the breakfast table, yeah, I lead them through devotional. So like last year we did like New City Catechism. Nice. And then now we're doing Gospel of Luke. We just kind of go passage okay. by passage, reread yeah. it, discuss it, pray, pray over it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's been, it's been good. Um, and your and, kids are at the age now too. The youngest being eight. Yeah, it was always where a struggle with him listen. where he was not able to do that yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we're always got to drag eight, him along. It's a great age to sit, listen, process, share, that yeah. kind of right? dialogue. Yeah, you know, it's different levels for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's he's able to listen and yeah. make comments and he's great. growing, you know, yeah, and yeah. It, kind of an encouragement. You know, like we think our oldest two, I mean, like really had faith in Christ and our youngest, we, we weren't sure. It's like it was almost like, this guy like spiritually seems dull. Like yeah. it's like not not getting it, you know. Uh, and um, we were doing New City Catechism. I think it was the one, I think on baptism. Mm. And then uh, he asked, like, you know, what is baptism? What is the meaning mm. of it? And like, mm. and asking spiritual questions that yeah. we just had not seen the spiritual sensitivity in him. Yeah. And uh, oh, I, I guess another thing that we do, we do like a word of the year. Um, huh. So each family member myself and Marilyn included like kind of around July like before the new school year starts hmm. we talk about like like what's the word that we want to focus on hmm. for this coming year of what we feel like the Lord's yeah I mean it could, spiritual it could be just physically oriented you know yeah. my daughter one year is about friendships like just developing good friendships nice. we want her to work on that or yeah her support her in that you know for for Joshua that year it was yeah. like yeah I think it was just spiritual growth or just, okay. I don't know, something yeah. around that. Yeah. And we just weren't seeing much of anything. Mm. And just in the regular habit of doing devotions, you know, he asked questions and mm. we just saw like the spirit was doing something in him. Mm. And I was able to lead him to the Lord that morning. Wow. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's like awesome. last year sometime, you know. That's awesome. So it's just like an encouragement that, you know, one God hears, hears our prayer. And then it's mm. just sometimes it's just in the ordinary faithfulness. Yes. Like God yes. sometimes... Yeah, does extraordinary things, you know. Yes. Um, not to dismiss the ordinary, God is doing something even in those ordinary. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but just um, I think yeah, he does. Thing. If anything, if, it, if anything, I think he does more in the ordinary. Yeah. Than the extraordinary. Right. Right. 
that 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 youth retreat high right or, you know, right I, th- I think it's more so in the day to day most of the sowing of that seed mm-hmm. is done that's where the and we shouldn't translate the moment of harvest to be that's when it all happened no right right actually right. no it's it's what you've been sowing all along and what yeah. god has been sowing all along mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's so encouraging to hear about just how you and Marilyn just can share about ministry together and um for you both to be excited about that. Uh, I yeah. find that to be so um, life-giving to my ministry to be able to yeah. talk to. And, and also life-giving to our marriage. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I really want to encourage like young couples um, or older couples too. You know? mm-hmm. But I'm Korean, so I don't want to like advise <laughs> older couples. <laughs> that's, yeah. t- that's forbidden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I want to just encourage all the couples to like, if they don't have this, to consider this. Like, uh, what is a common mission mm-hmm. that you and your spouse are on? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what what kind of mission are we? What what kind of mission has God sent us upon? Right. Or, or just this year, what might be a kingdom mission mm-hmm. for our family? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just just to orient yourself where you're shoulder to shoulder headed in the same missional direction, spiritual direction. I mean, it's, you can talk about that, of course, in, in regards to your financial goals or your Mm -hmm. other kind of career paths and things like that, but also just, yeah. What, what might be more of a kingdom minded mission that you and your spouse are going to pursue together. And it could be something so small, like let's just be more hospitable this year. And, um, invite a few people over to our home and mm-hmm. invest our lives into befriending them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, having something like that for marriage, I think, is so important because um, we we can think what really the only thing that blesses a marriage is being face to face, seeing mm-hmm. each other, beholding mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. and there there is definitely value yeah. to that. You need that. Yeah. But I think there's also a ton of value in being shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And knowing you're headed in the same direction, pursuing something together. Right. That excitement of of being on the same adventure. Yeah. You know? Um hundred percent, yeah. Essentially, I mean, I I mean like, that's yeah. I mean, Randy Pope has shared this wisdom, which is a very simple wisdom for personal spiritual life of like being on mission, it's kinda like you know, if you're eating spiritual food, if all you're doing is eating spiritual food and you're not exercising, you're just going to get fat, right? Like, it's kind of what he says, right? So you have to exercise, yeah. and exercising actually makes you want to eat more, right? Mm. And so, like, you know, spiritual... That's good. You know, uh, feeding is correlated with being a mission, yeah, right? That's so great. He raised that more personally, which is a truth. I think what you're saying is also in terms of marriage, too. Mm. You know, like, mm. being on mission together actually comes and blesses your marriage. Yes, now that can go overboard. We've seen that with ministry families, mm, right? Sure. Where, you know, pastor. You know, pastor. pastor yeah, you shouldn't be neglecting be, your kids. Yeah. Because you're so. Or neglecting um, like you know intimacy with one another. Like right, yeah. you know, there's times yeah. you have to slow down. Yeah. But I think sometimes people go pendulum swing the other way. It's like, hey, we don't do any ministry together. We're yeah. all about each other. We're all face to face, or we're all about family. Yeah. And um, you know, I think that sometimes, like again, that doesn't create a sense of mission that drives you to the Lord together. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, healthy marriages, I think, have what you just said. I love how you said it. Yeah, it's just like that common mission, that mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, I think by the grace of God, we have like a fairly healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. I think it's because mm-hmm. of our common sense of call. Yeah. 
uh, has brought so much unity. Yeah. Um, and certainly conflicts too, because we see things differently. We're totally mm-hmm. different people, <laughs> and so like doing ministry together at times is very hard. Yeah. But it's brought more blessing. Yeah. I'd say because it's caused us to one work through those conflicts yeah. actually because okay, it's taught me to appreciate the way she's yeah. wanted her me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the times that we've spent time praying together, like yeah. crying out to the Lord together, yeah. like, you know, that's awesome. Just, just tremendous. Unity. It's just always a general principle. It, it, it helps whatever it is that we're touching or, or whatever it is that we're doing. If it is about more than that thing, like it, mm. it will bless our marriage. If our marriage is more than about our marriage. Yeah, that's good. If yeah. our marriage is about something else, yeah, like, the kingdom of God. Right? Right, right. It blesses our parenting if our parenting is more than about parenting, mm. but for the glory of God, for the pleasure yeah, of God. It's right. always it's always a blessing to make our whatever thing is about more than that thing, mm. you know. Um, yeah. But it's otherwise, it right? is counterintuitive because right. you want to, let's say, like, really, I really want to focus on my marriage, so I'm just going to look straight at my marriage. <laughs> right, right. Um, but you get to a point where it's like, now that I have my marriage, now what? <laughs> now what, you yeah. Know, um, yeah, I think I want to be a dad. You have kids. Okay, you have kids. Now, yeah. what, what do you... To do you, what end? Are yeah. you just feeding them to keep them alive? Right. Or um, what sort of a character are you developing? Right. What sort of a worldview are you, you know, mm-hmm. giving them? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what's, your, what's your statement? As for me and my house, we will what? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah, I, the more... The more I'm, I'm trying to like think about how to better my marriage or my children or myself as a father or a husband, it has to be about God. Like it has to be about His will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be about His kingdom. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just it's then the template. The other template is whatever is on Instagram mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever is. Mm-hmm. Uh, comparing my family to other families or something <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. That's the only other template there is, and that's pretty miserable, actually. Mm-hmm. I think when God's kingdom is the template, then um, mm-hmm. there's so much to enjoy, so much to do, so much to um, pursue together that yeah. is exciting. Um, yeah, thanks for reminding me of that, um, just in what you're sharing. That was encouraging, and you gave me some ideas on maybe what I'll try out also, mm-hmm. just in my home. But thanks, man. This was great. Um, had a yeah, lot of thank fun you, man. chatting with you. Thank you, man. It was good. Yeah. Thank you. Cool.